That shit's good. Yes, yes, that shit is good. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, yes, we are back with episode 19. 19, son. Stakes is high. The Black Nerd Podcast. Yes, indeed. I am Troy Hunter, that tall black guy on everything. Han Yolo, a.k.a. Ill Gates up in the areas. I'm your boy at Doc Midnight. I'm your boy Dread October, Terry Gant, sitting on the other side of this microphone. And let me tell you, this, this podcast is going to be brought to you by weekend activities and random snacks left over from D&D games, <laughs> like Golden Double Stuff Oreos. Golden Double Stuff Oreos. Golden. All right. Golden, John. Do you see the glow? Is it glow? <laughs> we gonna get in this thing, man. We just, we just gonna get in this thing. Let's just go straight out. We just had, we just had, we had a, we had a good weekend. We had a, a, a very active weekend. We did. This is, this was C two E two weekend. Troy got fifteen thousand steps in one day. I don't even know if that's good. I'm a, it sounds like a high number. That was a very high number. I went multiple days, and I'm sure I walked the 15,000 steps for sure in the first day, and probably got 30,000 in the second day. But shout out to No Kidney Stone Attack this year. So, hey, I did my thing. You know, blessings where they at. Right. Um, yeah, my 15,000 is like 25,000 for the short people. Um, but yeah, some, true. some miles went. But yeah, but C2E2 was, it was I, I, I go on Fridays to avoid the huge weekend crowds. Love it every year. Um, hit Artist Alley. Bunch of, you know, just to be with people who are doing the thing and, and who make things that you enjoy is, is always love, always good. Uh, chop it up with professionals, people been in the game for a minute. Uh, people who you just now getting up to their work or people that been doing the thing, you want to give them props in person. Um, some about just like, you know, giving, some, giving somebody a pound, giving somebody like, you know, hey, you know, you've inspired me. You did. The Sometimes thing. you gotta walk up to a cat and just be like, "Man, thanks. Thanks for thanks for appreciate you for doing the thing yeah. you do." Yeah. Um, good times were had. There were some cats I did miss. Um, I never caught Jason Latour, which I wanted to, but I did catch Brian Stelfreeze, who OG of the shit. Um, and a quick Brian Stelfreeze story, which I which killed absolutely killed me. I was in line, and a woman in front of me wanted a commission. And she was saying that she loved him, and her boyfriend loved him. And he just, like, kind of just stone-stared her and just get him on the phone. And she just kind of freaked out a little bit. She said, no, no, call him. So he comes and says, well, somebody want to talk to you. <laughs> and she handed Brian Stelfreeze the phone. Brian Stelfreeze said, what the fuck? <laughs> Why aren't you here? Why aren't you here, son? Why aren't you here? Everybody else is here. But, you know, your girlfriend wants me to do a commission. And that's all right. I'm going to do the commission for her. I ain't doing you nothing because you ain't here. And me and there's some people behind me in line are just like, oh, shit, this cat is like. And he's, he's doing it straight-faced and he's having fun with it. But it was it was gangster shit. And she's like has a hand over her mouth. She can't believe the shit. <laughs> and, he's a, and he just goes on. He just kind of roast dude. Like, yeah, I'm going to do. I want you to look at what I do for her and think to yourself he could have done one for me but I wasn't there and we we had lost a whole yeah, ton of shit but see that's like man <laughs> I mean that's cool and all but uh damn son you, like, you like, ain't gotta go for the nuts like that like hey, hey <laughs> yo you, well you weren't there uh, right 
<laughs> I was there, so he clearly wasn't talking about me. No, right. So, you know, nuts intact. We're good. Right. But I, I, I don't know how to feel about dude. Like, I'm, I'm sure dude feels kind of emasculated right now. But he said, but Brian Stelfer was like, look, I'm going to do it. You know, whatever character she wants me to do or whatever, I'm going to do it. But it's going to be for her. It's right. not going to be for you because you ain't here. Right. Like, damn. Um, that was a good time. That was a good time. Um, but like I say, I mean, just sensory overload. And one thing that C2E2 really just can't get right in the years I've gone is trying to load. Like, they want you to walk around. But if you're looking for something particular and you know it's in, you know, booth, blah, 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 820 or whatever, whatever, yeah. it is a bitch to find. Yep. Absolute bitch. Because the map is set up in booth number, but the booth numbers are printed on these signs in the tiniest of type. You've got to be a 12-year-old to actually be able to read these shits. And they're not yeah. actually in sequence. And they're not, well, they're not in sequence. And a lot of the booths have their own signage they will cover up their booth sign with because they're trying to show you their brand sign. Right. You know, I had this problem when I was trying to find uh, my dude Israel Adonage, former Chicago Bear, who uh, runs Athletic Comics. Um, he's got a new children's book out, right? So I want to holler at him about a, a thing, and I might be announcing a thing in the near future here. That's a cool thing, right? okay? Of course, especially of course. if your parents in the Rogers Park Edgewater neighborhood, anywhere near Third Coast Comics, which is located sixty four forty three North Sheridan Road, which is easily accessible by Lakeshore Drive. So if you happen to be a dude named Arian who needs to come up Lakeshore Drive to get here to bring the shorty. Like, for this thing that I might be announcing, Aaron could be here. Damn. Like, like you could do that, right? Like, like that's okay. what I'm saying. Right, right. It's obvious. They like to, like, kind of cover their stuff up. So hmm. I was trying to find Israel's booth, and I knew every year Izzy's booth is always near the Diamond Comic Book Distributor's booth. Yeah. Which I always check out and make kind of, like, sort of patient zero of the con <laughs> because they have the softest carpet in the entire building. That's true, they do. Right? So I always <laughs> try to, like, launch from there. I'm looking around, and at first I think my, my on Friday I think my problem might have been legit just trying to look for Izzy himself near that booth because the dude's like six eight, right. and like two hundred seventy pounds, right? So like, and, and with barely any body fat. So you 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 could see when you're you're basically looking for a life size superhero, right? Standing around, you ought to be able to identify that cat in a room full of people, especially on Friday. It wasn't even Saturday, right? Right. And I couldn't do it, so I, you know. I remember, like, texting my wife. I was like, which booth is Izzy's booth? Give me a booth number. And when she texted me back, I was like, oh, okay, bet. I ought to be able to find that. And I'm walking and walking and walking and walking. I'm like, shit, man, half my 15,000 steps was in walking just trying to find this damn booth, which was near the diamond booth. Right, but somewhere tucked off in the The numbering made no sense. No, it it, I mean, it was, it was literally, it was across the road, depending on what side you were standing on. Right? I mean, it was really close to it. So it should have been like, oh, I'll just go right back to the beginning. But every time I went to the beginning, I didn't see it. Because I'm looking at, I'm looking for booth numbers to know how far I got to go. Right, right, right. Right? Like, it, it was like 806. 806 to me says not the first booth in the row. It's a six. Right. Right? 806 has got to be like in the second or third row. They only put like two damn booths and then it's and like the next the row. Next you know row, what I'm right. saying? So I'm like constantly walking down the third damn row. Looking at, like, booth number 842. Like, what the shit is this all about? And it just happened to be like, okay, well, hold on a second. I saw somebody with an actual map, and I had the booth number, and I was like, okay, where did you hide 806? God, are you serious? It's eight, there's no 801 through 805? Nope. I don't understand this. And if there were 801 through 805, they could not have been. They weren't in the area. 
They weren't there yet. They weren't there yet. It made any sense. I got. I had the mobile version, and the mobile version, like you know, click here for the map. Cool. Yeah. But you couldn't if you enlarge the map. Cookies. If you enlarge the map, it didn't stay enlarged. It went I back. I think these, these cookies are, are from uh, uh, my homie Cat Hutchins, who's one of my dungeon masters, who brings like mad awesome snacks. And they just kind of stay in the kitchen here at the shop. And I always forget the snacks. And then sometimes I'm just like, like, like snack vampire. And it must be a snack. And it's because when you got good friends, they just bequeath you dope snacks. So, yeah. another shout out to these golden double stuffed Oreos. Work. Aaron, how you feel about? I don't, Aaron probably don't even like Oreos at all. I think Aaron don't like, like cookies. Aaron like Oreos. He, nah, I man, he's from New York. They don't do cookies in New York. But I mean, you just can't go to the bodega and have a chopped a, a chopped cheese sandwich all the time. I mean, I don't know. What, I think the snacks are. It's it, you know how New York is now. Nah, it's all like scones and shit. Oh, I don't know. You know, hard rocky hipster I, bullshit. I, I don't know. Right, it's New York. Do we even need New York? Not really. I mean, damn, we got like Boston. We got Boston. Fuck Do we Boston. need New York? We don't need Boston. Work with me here, son. I'm just, I don't need the East Coast. I'm at shitting all. on New York. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm right. We're going to shit on the whole East Coast. Got <laughs> I don't it. Need I want to shit on one city. If we going to set trip, if we going to set trip, I'm going to set trip entirely. I forgot who I was talking to. Okay. This dude is like, all we need is the West Coast. <laughs> Troy ain't here crip stepping right now. <laughs> <laughs> he go crib walk. I'm not. He tries to crib walk for you I, I am, in five I am, minutes. I am totally chilling on the crib walking. Right <laughs> not doing that at all. I'm not. I mean, my, my hands want to want to want to form, want to get my my sign, but no. I'm trying to make it. Trying to stop it. Trying to put my hands flat on the table. Um, but let's see. But C two E two as a as an event, um, I think it's still going pretty well. Um, they like. The panels are, are We are, love you, New York. Just it's Arian's condo like building he grew up in with a tiny ass basketball court for people with little hands. That matters. Little hands. Shoot little jump shots. Okay. Hey, okay. Oh, oh. What? That's basketball like I get, talk, trash talk. I get, I get I it. Basketball trash talk. Okay. Because Aaron probably killed me in basketball. Yeah, kinda I think so. <laughs> I can't play basketball. <laughs> I'm just saying he's got tiny hands. He probably can't grip a basketball. I got to, like, you know, give myself some kind of, like, basketball credit somewhere. Okay. I have bigger hands than Arian for basketball, which probably ain't even true. Um, but I think C2E2 as an event, um, still going well. It's not Wizard World, but Wizard World, half their problem is the fact they're in West Bumblefuck. And no, I think that's actually one of the benefits of Wizard World is they're mad easy to get to. In a variety of ways, like like C2E2 is a little more complicated. Like it shouldn't be, but it is. And maybe because perception is reality here because I find C2E2 easy to get to because two L lines will take you there. Yes. Lakeshore Drive will take you there. The Metro, the Metro will, will stop in the building yep. if you figure that thing out. Yep. But Metro, Metro love. in terms of getting to Wizard World, if you have to go, right? It's, it's an easy suburban jaunt to a shitty comic shop. How about that? Does that make sense? Like, it's, yes. it's become a bad show. It's a bad show. I mean, I have I have issues with the convention center. I have issues with Rosemont. I have issues with riding the blue line all the fucking way out there. It takes an hour and a half. I got issues. I got issues with Wizard World. I think that, like, when driving to Wizard World, it 
doesn't take any more than like 45 minutes, it seems like. It's no big deal. I live in Evanston. It's like, you know, you go straight down Oakton, right. make a left turn, and boom, you're there, it's right? West. It, it, it's, it's just west. west. It's straight west. But I can see where if your whole deal is you got to like red line it to the blue line and take the blue line all the way out. It is, that's kind of a haul. But you, it's a haul for an entire day you're going to spend at a comic book shop. If the show is dope, you're not thinking of the trek because right. it is just one straight shot. When I was growing up, going to what was then Chicago Comic Con, it wasn't that big a deal. Is you're just on the blue line. Yeah. Like if you want somebody to get on the red line to come up to Howard for anything, and it's like, yeah, okay, you just get on downtown at Jackson and you stay until you get to Howard. It's about the same amount of time. The trouble is, you get the impression you're making that trip from the Shire to Mordor, right? The show at the end of it isn't giving you that. Oh my God, I'm gonna throw Schmeagle's ass into a volcano feeling. It's fuck. I still got to deal with that giant spider. I ain't even got the Schmeagel yet, you know? It's that kind of feeling, right? It's so, like, it's dissatisfying for what you get these days. Yeah. And I was explaining this to somebody at the show. It's not that they don't have comics. It's that the way C2E2 is marketed, if you're a comic book fan or a pop cultural fan right now, for all the problems C2E2 has with inclusiveness and, like, kind of, kind of making everybody feel like they give a shit the right way Wizard World has no ability to make you the pop culturally interested modern fan feel like it's about you it's about your dad right that's the issue right this is okay. about that show's about your dad okay. not you if your dad liked shit that you don't like is that how it goes if your dad liked Elvira the son of Svengooly lost in space the old school Batmobile like the the Mach Five from Speed Racer, a whole lot of big titty chicks from like Scream Queens and professional wrestlers circa 1985 on back. This is his show. There might even be comic book vendors there for you and him too. But those comic book vendors are largely the same dudes he was buying his comics from, right? Who are still in business? Who are still in business? Or like from other cities who are still those kind of dudes? Okay. Right? So at C2, I saw, I always see like lots of cats walking around, and these are not like when I understand as a retailer, there's my retailer hat and my fan hat. And sometimes at C2E2, I have to interchange these hats, sometimes in the same damn aisle, right? I put one on, I take one off. I put one on, I take one off. I do this a lot, right? I'm walking through the halls of C2E2, and all I'm doing is just watching cats. I told my wife, I took no pictures this year, I didn't take a single cosplay picture. But I saw a lot of cosplay by a lot of people who love cosplay. Right. And I saw a lot of people walking around straight up outfitted for a convention that celebrated this lovely thing that they that, that's really given their lives meaning, right? In a, in a, in a meaningful way, in like yeah. a deep, impactful way, right? Yeah. When you go to Wizard World, I get the sense that there is a celebration of we're not those young people and, and they're brightly colored Fucking cosplay right. bullshit. We're yeah, we're we're trying. We're helping you inter be entertained in private. Like these people are coming out and cosplay stuff. Like yo, I love his character. I dressed up. I got makeup. I got the utility stuff. I, I'm, I'm together, as opposed to Wizard World, where just, it's just cats with long boxes. Like I'm just getting stuff from a box. And, and it's go home there and is cosplay. Shit. There's cosplay for sure. Cosplays at Wizard World. There's so much cosplay at Wizard World. In fact. That Wizard World and, and C2E2 to an extent, but mostly the shows that are like Wizard, uh, Wizard World around the country have gotten a little bit of pushback from people who go 
about not wanting to deal with cosplay, right? Because cosplay to them doesn't equal commerce, right? Whereas C2, whereas C2E2 is a celebration of all things pop culture, right? Right, like let's put those, let's push those to the forefront, raise them up on the pedestals. You know right, what I mean? Have a it's that play corner. I call it nerd prom. It is <laughs> nerd prom, right? Wizard World is not nerd prom. Not at all. Wizard World is a nerd estate sale. <laughs> now I mean, like nerd mom and nerd dad have died, and someone has to sell those like, those die cast models from like Space Nineteen Ninety Nine. But you know, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it feels like that kind of show to me. Okay. You know, that's what it's become. And and when I've gone, and I've gone a couple times in recent years, and I just I can tell the difference is, man, it's almost like C2E2 is willing to turn the lights on. And and Wizard World has gotten to the point where, like, unless there's an aisle with like an aging wrestler in it or like an old actor from a sci-fi show in the 70s in it, the lights are kind of dim on that shit. Like, they are they're struggling really hard to connect with modern fandom. And modern fandom has its issues. My God, some of the stuff we're going to talk about in this podcast are about the issues of modern fandom, right? But at least the connection's made so that we can say this is still modern fandom. And modern fandom, there's room. Like, I walked through C2E2 and I saw a whole lot of people selling some old fucking comics. Yeah. Right? Swamped by modern fandom, but they were there. Right. Right? I think Wizard has an issue with kind of like trying to, you know, here, let me put it this way. The problem with Wizard World is modern fandom understands that when it comes to being a fan in modern comics, it takes more than DC Marvel, DC or Marvel and Star Wars to make a real fandom. It is more than Walking Dead. It's more than whatever the hot franchise of the minute is, right? And it's more than nostalgia, right? C2E2, for all of its blemishes in terms of the independent comic scene, right, nationally, okay. C2E2 attracts fans who are looking for that, and at least tells those fans this is here, and gives those people a voice too, right? They're not so great at giving them an equal voice, but they're good at giving them a voice. And when you go to Wizard World, if you're there as an indie comics lover, you should just keep moving to the Red Robin up the block. You know? Like, it's not, that. it certainly ain't there for you. And, and, And from what I understand about the comics market, I would say a good 30% of it is, is a whole lot of people looking for that indie vibe. You know, like how about it? Everybody here in the room just was. There was a weird ass noise, and everybody was like, "What was that weird ass noise?" It, it is possible that at Felice's right next door, they brought trumpets in to the pizza joint. Here come for, the horns! For here come the horns! <laughs> but yeah, that, that's what I, I would say. Okay. That's the difference between the two. Okay. Okay. Um, I haven't been to Wizard World in a couple in years. Um, it just and also after, when C two E two moved to where they are in McCormick, and you have natural sunlight and you have brighter lights, you step into Stevens Convention Center and it's dim as shit. The and the the aisles are kind of are crammed. The aisles are, are already sure. small, but you're not getting more than four or five people side by side. I only disagree in that C2E2 isn't giving you much natural light in the, on the show floor. On the show floor, no. They give you lots of natural light like walking through the convention center. They're, yes. they're designed for that. I actually think C2E2's problem is they can expand some of the area you are in when you're on the show floor. Expand that shit because Artist Alley was a death trap this year. Artist Alley was great. Yes, like, it, it was a death trap. If you were there on Saturday. Oh, 
That's why I don't go. Like, you felt like it was a death trap on Friday. Friday, if you were there on Saturday, it was like, oh man, what's happening here? (laughs) They're leading us into a trap. You put us all in. You put us all in row L just to like see us suffocate to death. You know, there were people that I didn't see in Artist Alley this year on Saturday, largely because I couldn't turn my body to get to them. But then I go down another row, and it was double wide. And I realized, oh, I bet the unions have this shit all set up to where it's like, you know, this is a fire aisle. It's got to have room. Yeah. Really, I just believe Artist Alley and c 2 could be improved by giving a little less space to random-ass autograph lines, right? And expand it, just expand it out. You had so much room for that cattle line of pe- letting people in in the beginning. Yeah. Right? So much of that room. Give me another 30 feet, right? Because you didn't need all that space. And I don't think you even need that much for... The- for the level of bag check, you know, I'm pretty sure ISIS didn't get a single fragmentation grenade through that place. For the level of security for bag check, for the for the, the thoroughness of the check, bruh, give us 50 feet of that shit and, and, and let us spread the hell out so we're not dying. Because I honestly think at C2E2, we're a couple years away from an actual tragedy. At the, the level of bodies they're putting in that place? I'm the one who walks around and judges where I'm going by, like, how many people are in the aisle. I already look and go, I ain't walking down that aisle. <laughs> Not that aisle. I don't care what's down that aisle. I ain't going. I ain't going. I don't care if you put, I don't care if you resurrected Jack Kirby and put him at the end of that aisle. Too many hot-ass bodies. Too many strollers. Too many big-ass costumes. And fuck you, C2E2, and those big-ass backpacks with the damn with the Captain shits. America, the Kiss my ass on them ba- oh, the damn back joints. The Superman joints. Yeah. Whatever the hell, the CW shits. The backpacks were bigger than the humans. Miss me with that bullshit. If one more of them goddamn things touches me, I'm calling the fucking CDC. God damn it. All right. Just move on. Just move on. All right, we move on. We're good? All right, let's move on. Aaron Cobham wouldn't even touch one of them damn backpacks. Next joint, um, have you listened? Well, let's see. Let's, should, I, should we do this now or stuff I did? Go ahead. No, no, hit, hit it, man. Hit it. <laughs> have you heard? Okay, so Kendrick. Yeah, I just, Kendrick, Kendrick last name, Lamar. irrelevant. It is, at this point, last <laughs> At this Lamar. point, irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really, he, he has now become genuine. It, it's, just, it's just Kendrick. No. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck, yo? Really? One name, one name people in pop culture. Genuine. He's Kendrick, genuine. What? Tyrese. What? Okay, you name two whack motherfuckers. Next. Okay, give me three. I, give, I, me, give me another I'm one. Come just on. I'm saying. Well, you use one threes. name. You what? That, do they, they got it? Okay, Kendrick, Prince, and Mozart. Does that make you feel better? What? That people with just one name. Oh, Jesus. Anyway, you just said it. <sighs> Kendrick released an album. The album is fire. But someone has mentioned that. He got the blackest name in hip hop. That motherfucker's name is Kendrick Lamar. It's gonna be black if his name was Kendrick Lamar Smith Johnson. Jackson's. Sims. Williams. Watkins. Kendrick Watkins. That might be blacker. <laughs> that might be blacker. That might be blacker. <laughs> um, one thing I do appreciate, I, I enjoy the album. The album is solid. Um, you gotta, but it, it brings up a lot of questions. A lot, and this is why I like talking about music with people who who get it, who understand, and who really can kind of come back with their own thing. They, you know, two minutes after they release, after they got released, oh, this is classic. Right. My thing is, classic albums aren't classic two minutes after they They can't be classic two they minutes. They can't after. be classic two minutes after they've been released. So that's one thing. Second thing is that 
And so in notice this is Kendrick makes music you discuss. You talk about. You're not just nodding your head and shit. You're like, you're looking at the lyric sheet. You're, oh, what is this, you know, the topic of this is this, this and the other. So in his in the video for um which one for Humble, which was the first single, he mentions that he wants to see, you know, more women being natural, da-da-da. Um, but you know, this is, you know, you know, no Photoshop. We want, you know, skin marks and da-da-da. Um, we want stretch marks and da-da-da. Thing is, though, is that someone's, and people were like, well, we noticed that the people that you were talking about being natural or lighter skin and the people you were talking about who were Photoshop were darker. So that might be a thing. And, like, you know, we discussed that. Just because we like Kendrick doesn't mean that some of these hip-hop artists are actually, like, on top of their well, shit. artists. Or artists in general. Artists in general, right. Artists right, in right. general. Like, right. And someone said, well, you ain't, you know, it says, oh, well, you, you feminists, and all you people who, you can't have fun, and you can't just accept the music. So the thing is, though, is that because Kendrick does what he does, and says, all criticism, criticism, you know, if you ask a creative, criticism is great. Hey, what do you, you know, here's my shit, what do you think? Right. That's like the that's like the fundamental thing of a of a creative person. If you can come with, well, I like this, I don't like this. You talked about this thing, maybe what? Like that makes you sharper. So the fact that people kept coming, you know, people says we want to discuss this video, we want to discuss the context, we want to discuss, you know, what does this mean? You know, him being a platinum being an artist and everything what does this mean what's kind of what kind of message is he bringing across and then the people like you should just take it as it is da 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 why are you not asking all these other random I'll say it's full of shit what when you when when and there's been a lot of this discussion of natural versus not natural and, and, and dudes coming out and talking about you know this is what we need to get back to which is like this uh, this thing of just, just you, just be yourselves, ladies, and exactly what you said, which is, the dark skinned chicks need to come to the side of the light skinned chicks. Is the way this is going, right? And what what's happening is, it is men pitting women against women, and so much of what it is in in, in the beauty culture world is already women versus women fucking tearing each other's throats out, right? The very fact that like women relax their hair, black women relax their hair at all, we know where that comes from, yeah, right? So. How many times do we have to have these discussions about why it is women are headed towards natural? It's not they're headed towards natural because natural is more beautiful. They're also making a statement about what they are no longer willing, being willing to do to themselves to meet this standard. And hip hop, specifically, not just I guess all like forms of pop music really, but like particularly hip hop, have an issue where a lot of cats for a lot of years now have been making video babes all about like, video chicks have all been light skinned, mm -hmm. have all been this sort of classic beauty example, which diminishes dark skinned women and natural hair. Right. It diminishes natural boobs, it diminishes natural butts, it diminishes, it diminishes natural bodies, but it definitely puts bodies and sexuality at the forefront, right? So I'm gonna call you full of shit. If you are out here trying to make any comment, about how how natural right. you want it, how how back how back to the original we need to get it, and how much we need to not be focusing on this bullshit. Right. When you are still 
doing at, the same shit. When right. you're still at, but see, and this, the dark-skinned chicks need to get it right. Right, right. You know? But the great thing about this discussion, though, is the fact that people are like, well, why, you know, you're not talking, you know, you're not asking these other cats, you know, to, you know, trying to analyze these cats. Because the thing is, though, is that Kendrick and, to some extent, J. Cole, Big Crit, another, a bunch of these other dudes who are trying to do not conscious rap per se, but sure. have a more conscious, you know, than because not, they're at least getting played. If you're a conscious rapper, you ain't getting played. So these guys are getting played, but they're they're basically taking the conscious playbook while having taking, views and, and ears. Right, they're having views and ears, and they're, they're conscious because they're not overt misogynists. That's how correct <laughs> fact. You know, so the fact that we're even discussing, like we're discussing Kendrick shit, and says, well, you're not discussing these other dudes who aren't conscious or whatever. You're not. You know, you've been hit about, by, this is the thing is struck by a smooth misogynist. <laughs> okay. But the fact that people are trying to talk about his <clears throat> is the fact that he has an image right. of not being a total misogynist. Right. So women are like, hey, let's talk about this because we we like you, we want you to improve. And a, there's, there's been this groundswell of dudes like, y'all need to shut up, you feminists ruin everything, right. why don't you do that? This is the stuff that gets discussed. And that's what I appreciate about this album was the fact that, A, he's top of his game. The cat's still lyrical. He's storyteller. He's doing his thing. Lyrics matter. Because lyrics do matter. Uh, the beats don't suck. And the fact that we now have we have lyrics to chew over as opposed to just a, dan- a, a Drake joint or a joint that just meant to get you, I got a rap, but basically all you're listening for is the hook. You listen for the chorus sure. and the hook, and you're gonna dance. And I'm a, I need to waste your time for like a minute and a half, sure. While the beat rides until we get to the, until we get to you, the, you, man. No, no, no. What the hook gonna be? But the, you know, uh, that's rap. <laughs> that is. You're rap. You're minus describing lies. Rap. You're describing equal hip hop. Right. Okay. You're right. You're describing rap. You know me. So that's that. <laughs> so, but the fact that we're able, like, we have something to chew over now. You know, we have some. Like I said, it's not a perfect album. There are some things I would skip. Um, there are some things that I don't like very much. There's some stuff that I'm just blown away by. But the fact that we have an out there, you can't put out an album that we can digest and listen to and like, like okay, he lays out his politics, he lays out his, his some religious views shit. Which I'm not even sure were mysteries, right? Like Not I mean, mysteries, but when this dude is doing this, like vehemently like over and the beat changes and all like you you just lose your entire shit but we're not no we're not we, we're listening for clarification we okay. listen for more you know he's listening talking about you know am i a black israelite no you know we're like oh I okay right. okay cool because you know am i a hebrew israelite am i a black hebrew israelite and we're going through these things well, of, i guess it's important because there was a point in hip-hop where everybody their mama had to tell you the damn religion and align themselves with some Something. level, right? You know, like as opposed to just being spiritual. even De La Soul did it, right? Yes. Like, like certain lyrics let you know where these guys like kind of line themselves up on the spiritual. And there spirit. was a whole thing I seem to remember. I recall where, like, it was theorized that like Katsu, who, who would acknowledge publicly X, right, would like be more successful, and you couldn't deny it for a certain point in time that some guys who considered themselves a religion X would like. They were kind of 
doing a thing. They were doing a thing. But they were just basically getting shined because they were allied with Group X or Y or whatever, you know, and, and the, the, the conscience at the time was kind of pointed that way. Yeah. So I, I appreciate if somebody's like, you know, I'm just being an artist. I mean, just state you're an artist and that's good enough. Right. I don't need but, to know your damn religion. Yeah, I mean, but... I don't give a fuck what you went to church. But especially if you, if you are mentioning a religion in the, in the context of how you're dealing with people, how you're dealing with... Sure situations, how you're dealing with America at large, then you're giving me more to go on as opposed to where your thought process is about where we are, where we're trying to go. Um, and he was very vociferous about it. You know, yeah. there's still some battle tracks that are like, he's like, I am the greatest rapper alive. Like, oh, okay, well, all right, you said it, you put that on paper. All right, you know, any other comment from the gallery? No comment, you know, bang the gavel. All right, we're done yeah. here. Right. Moving on. Um, it, it's it's good music and it's great music to. It, it's good to have an artist who puts out stuff. That, but Kendrick is that good. Like it, it's not Kendrick's like, that good. It's not really stepping out to be like Kendrick's that good. No, because he's been proven to be that good. It's, but the thing is, it's one thing to just be that good, and one thing to say I am sure. the right. best okay. out here. Right, right. At which point, that's a you know, it's one thing to go. Okay, he nice. It's one thing for that guy to go, yeah. I'm nice. What do y'all think? And right. he's like, oh, I guess I'm, yeah. Of the guys who can claim that, there's a short list. There's a very short and list. And he's in that conversation. And he's in that conversation. So now the people who, like, oh, did, was this a subliminal diss? Right. Did he talk about this? He mentioned nobody on his out. He didn't say, you know, this person, this person. He didn't have to come up with a He didn't have to come up with a, you know, there no hit list. Yeah. But now people are like, was he talking to me? Was he talking to me? Like, well, okay, well. I mean, maybe he could be talking to you. He could be. Right. When he says, I need all y'all cast to step y'all game up, who is he talking about? The, I, possibly so, the entire world. Possibly the entire. Because I believe that's true. Everybody else. But now, for him, I will still say that if you're going to speak on a thing and you want to come across as, like, modern fucking renaissance man on the shit, then understand the, the entire, like, fucking conversation you're getting yourself into. Yeah. Right? You can't then then stop, then stop letting your agency pull out these hot light skinned chicks and oh. throw their big titty asses up there, like <laughs> like like because that's been the history of your industry. That's been, yeah. Don't say, I love, I love blah women. Just be like, these are the people in my video. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a way you can do that. There's you, a way. They, that's totally. They, way they can do put it. people in your damn video because they need to be in your video instead of constantly making every damn video look like a goddamn Shalimar shoot. That's all I'm saying. And that's fine. Right. And that's fine. It's just the people who pointed that out was like, yo, we need, you know, if we're trying to change this thing where the video chick doesn't look the same, we need someone to start doing it. We need someone to start. We need someone to do it. You need someone it, to do it. Someone needs to do it without making the statement that they're doing it. Because when they fine. make the statement that they're doing, now it's a trend. That's fine. Right? And but, the second that now you have all these like dark skinned chicks from like the islands in your videos with their big natural afros and seven feet wide that would be hot shit for a year and a half and then we're gonna get away from that because that was just a trend but if someone so if you're gonna give lip service to it okay. don't give it lip service do the thing but yeah, you do the thing and you gotta be big enough to do it so you know little PDJ pistol starter can't you know can't right. put black dark skinned chicks in the videos and expect to be a groundswell right if Kendrick would do it Kendrick could be a an agent for something better. PDJ Pistol Starter can't freestyle or shit. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now. 
mumbles the and, fuck out of me. Right, and he can't and enunciate he words. Sister, he got my little sister's beads in his hand and shit. And you're a man person. I don't understand that. <sighs> so, yeah. So, I enjoy it. That's, that's what's up. Um, let's get back to the comic shit. All right. <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> I know you got some words, son. You got some words, son. <laughs> so, Troy, I didn't even type this in. I did not type this into the agenda. I did. I was I did leaving it. it alone. I did. Because it, it, this started a couple weeks ago. But like in our time frame of podcast, we weren't we we couldn't get that done that night. Marvel and diversity is the topic. <laughs> yeah, Marvel and diversity is, is the topic because uh, I know what Troy's referring to. I guess some of you might know too by now, and I I will tell you all. I was see, quote this unquote, unquote, quiet this, on that shit on right, Facebook. Right, because I, I know see, but this is retailer. This is what I'm expecting. Your right. retailer hat, right? Retailer and your hat. fan hat. My fan hat. All right, got it. Because you got two hats. I got two hats. All right, so a couple weeks ago, a very <laughs> dumb fucking VP of sales at, Mar- at Marvel, whose name I forget, whose name I didn't really know, because <laughs> by the very comments, no one needs to know this idiot's fucking name, uh, came out and basically he let himself get led down the primrose path to get a knife in his back uh, when asked about Marvel's declining sales, right? In, in the overall sales charts, if you, if you look at Marvel's overall sales charts for the last six months or so, eight months, Marvel sales have been kind of on a decline. So on a, on a broad view, oh my God, what's happening to Marvel? The world loves Marvel's movies. Marvel makes so much money in film. But Doctor Strange is the number one movie back in November. What's happening to Marvel comic sales? And then he let someone basically say, do you think it's all this these diverse titles, is Marvel's diversity push that has led to decline in sales, and he said, effectively, I'm gonna paraphrase, yeah. yeah, that's basically what it is. It's like, the fans have decided they don't want diversity. So they're not buying our comics because they don't want diversity. Diversity didn't work. Diversity didn't work. You know, is what he is saying. Now, <laughs> he said a few more things, Yeah. but he is wrong. Now this is the VP of sales, right? right? Who should know this shit. Who should know that there's a, there's a, there's a constant in his industry. You, if you're going to be a VP of sales in anything, you need to know that you ain't selling a fuck ton of lawnmowers in January, right? You put them shits on sale, your sales will go up, right? You ain't selling a fuck ton of snowblowers in May, but you put them shits on sale and your sales might go up. The snowblower is needed in December. The lawnmower is needed in June. Lots of people right. getting their riding mower on right around Memorial Day. Truth. Right? There ain't nobody blaming the lack of sales of riding mowers on Valentine's Day, right? It's just not a thing, right? Right. But everyone knows that month over month, no matter what your comic is, and no matter who's in it, no matter what time it is, month over month, generally, your comic book sales will slide. Because a guy who bought number five yesterday might not buy number six tomorrow. A guy who bought number 18 yesterday probably bought number five but ain't guaranteed to buy number 19. this is a constant number one sell more than number twos has been a rule since comics were fucking created or at least since since they became too expensive right then the average bullshit kind of random ass item any kid might buy at about a dollar 99. when comic books became two dollars this shit really became an issue in terms of sales month over month over month. When comics were a buck, buck 25, buck 50, 
you were still selling comic books handled like fucking the X-Men were selling 100,000 comics without even thinking about it. They were selling, Image Comics dropped in the early 90s or whatever the fuck that was, and they were dropping a half million, they were selling millions. Selling out, out of comic shops, just reprinting new shits. Why? They weren't very expensive, and they were giving fans some bullshit they wanted at the time, right? <laughs> but they weren't expensive, right. right? Right. But you know what Image found out? And you know why a whole lot of retailers went out of business? Because the dudes who ordered number one didn't need to buy number two. They only wanted number one. This has been the fucking truth since people noticed the smell of chitlins. It is that fucking real in this industry. It is as real as the smell of chitlins. You cannot say to me that, aha, they don't like Superman with a shorter cape. He's got to have a longer cape. When Superman has a longer cape, people buy Superman. You're full of shit. That's not true, right? They buy it because they're interested in it, but they're interested in it this month. Next month, they may be interested in something else. And if you are not competing on that level, you won't get those sales. But guarantee yourself that unless you bring the awesome that next month to keep that dude's interest, he ain't giving you his money. She ain't giving you her money. And now we get to where he's truthfully wrong, right? Diversity wasn't a failure at Marvel Comics. Marvel gave you at one point in time a hot fucking eight comics starring like people of color and women, right? They right. gave you a good solid eight comics. Like a year ago, Black Panther number one hit the shelves and broke fucking records. I'll tell you what else happened a year ago too. And I, now my, when I did my own little like sales critique and shit of what the fuck this dude was talking about, right? A year ago in April, Marvel dropped Poe Dameron number one and Black Panther number one. And them shits was hot. I ordered hard on them in my shop, right? Retailer hat was on. Because I was like, man, but, fucking but, but, but was it caught like T.I. Like, no, no, you know, I do my shit. <laughs> I do my shit like Pedro Stroke. Like, I try to put it on straight and it just sort of slides over to the left a little bit. You know, I wear my hat like that. If I can get a hat on my head, that's kind of how I might rock it, right? But I'm saying, like, you can't tell me diversity failed at Marvel Comics when you just went nuts on Black Panther so damn hard, you gave Black Panther a second book. There are two Black Panther-related comics Three. before this month. Oh. Oh. At the time of that article, oh, the, article. Okay. the third book hadn't even hit the shelves yet, right. but was certainly a done fucking deal. Yeah. Orders were in for the first two issues of that before that dude said diversity wasn't working. So, I've been selling Ms. Marvel like 40 going north for a couple years now. Squirrel Girl, selling it. Right, Ms. Marvel selling it, Black Panther selling it, right? Was selling Mockingbird when they, when they came, Marvel came and told me Mockingbird ain't working. All Marvel had to do was produce one cover. There was a cover where, 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 where uh, Mockingbird's wearing a t-shirt that says, ask me about my feminist agenda. agenda. Yeah. I've never before seen a situation in which more motherfuckers said, I want that second volume of that trade that's gonna have that cover, then they said the first, right? Diversity didn't fail, you failed. You know how you failed? You oversaturated the market by being Marvel. You out-Marveled yourselves. You had a hot 8 to 16 books. The market was supporting that just fine, right? You went and had 70 regular fucking titles. 70 regular titles. My shop has 80 to 100 right now at any given time. Like, you know what I mean? I got on my wall right. room for 80, right? And then I have a, a kind of new and noteworthy section where I can drop another 10, 15, 20 titles down if I need to. Just first issues. Let's see if these things work out. And a lot of it's, I kind of, I'm sort of massaging it to see if it's like, if it's returnable, I'll go hard and then return them shits. If it's not returnable, I might be like, you can come in. I'll be like, yo, man, I see what you're reading right there. Have you tried this thing? And put something in your hands. 
right? Because I can't let Marvel tell me what's what. Right. I can't let DC tell me what's what or Image tell me what's what. I will tell you what's what, right? And I will, I will work your taste. I will learn my customer, right? And try to get him something he might dig. To try to make, throw that on a pull list. I have to do that now, right? right? But what Marvel did was Marvel had a good thing going and got greedy. <laughs> Don't be greedy. They got greedy as fuck. Like, just because you have the ability to put out 100 comics doesn't mean you should put out 100 comics. Right? Just because they're buying eight diverse and, and, or POC comics doesn't mean you need 18. It doesn't mean you need 28. It doesn't mean you need 38. They were fine, I believe. At some point, they had 16. And I was like, man, diversity of Marvel is like the fucking X-Men. That's where I wanted them to stop. Right? Stop there. Now, the reason I, people were asking me, they were like, why, why do you think Marvel's going so hard on diversity? And I said the one thing that made sense to me. When I talk to people that I see in bars and restaurants or on the L stations or whatever, when they find out what I do for a living and we start talking comics, two things get said to me. Oh, man, I read comics growing up. Man, did you see that movie? Those two things get said all the damn time. More people are familiar with the classic version, quote-unquote classic right, version, right, right. of what Marvel puts out there. They right. love their movies, but they're familiar with the classic version based on what the movies told them was real. Right. Well, Which says to the me... continuity and... The, right, right. Editors at Marvel are smart as fuck going this way with diversity because you can now take every risk that you can imagine, right, in comics, in actual comics, with characters. You can have Riri Williams as Iron Man. Miles Morales can be Spider-Man. Uh, Amadeus Cho can be the Hulk. The X-Men, you can bring the five original X-Men back from the past. They could all be young, right? Squirrel Girl, Ms. Marvel, Black Panther, Misty Knight, Luke Cage. You can do all these things. The Master of Kung Fu can have a book. He can have a young protege. They can have a Rolls Royce car called the Black Beauty, and they can wear green tuxedos. You can do all those things, right? If you're Marvel Comics, understanding that the bulk of your money at Marvel, not the comics, but at Marvel, comes from the film and TV side. Right. The license is valuable, right? The comics aren't making shit. So if the comics aren't making shit, why are you sweating so hard, right? Why are you sweating so hard the sales number when you're actually doing the one thing that no one's been able to do in comics since DC created the New 52. It took till 2011, from 1995 or so, 1996, from when Image first dropped, to expand the marketplace. Everyone talks about comics like there's a dying fucking dinosaur. The, the meteor is hit, right? The sun is being put out. Where is the new audience coming from? The comic book collector right now is a dying breed, right? We gotta expand the marketplace. My shop has 45% female customership, right? Other shops are seeing no women come in, so I get what's happening here. My man at Marvel is saying, diversity's not working because that dude's talking to a bunch of fat white dudes down in Alabama in comic shops who ain't got no brothers coming in there and women ain't about to walk in because your comic shop stinks. It smells like a fucking swamp, right? So as long as you got a stinky swamp smelling ass comic shop, nobody wants to buy shit from you, so you believe, why do you have to shelf Ms. Marvel? I want to shelf Captain America. I want to shelf Captain America and I want to fight an Artem Zola, fine. Except Captain America is now a Hydra agent. <laughs> All right? So, fuck. I don't know if I can sell that. I want to sell Iron Man. Okay, that's great. Well, Iron Man's now, Tony Stark's an AI, and the person in the Iron Man suit's a black chick from Chicago. She's 15, and she's from MIT. They don't make smart black women in the real world. That's unrealistic. Nope. Can't have that. I want to sell Thor. Except Thor's Jane Foster. Has been Jane Foster and selling well for about three years now. Right? So, nope. That's not working for Alabama dude, too. So, he's highly pissed. Because he doesn't remember that his comic shop was about to go out of fucking business 
when things were as they were before, and the only thing propping this comic shop up is actually old back issue sales. The comic shop around the country has currently constituted with all these angry white dudes who don't want to buy regular comics. If these shops are still open, they're not. Been, so if you're angry about the diversity and you're not buying Marvel comics, you sure as fuck ain't buying Image comics. You know, and you can't be buying DC comics as your Marvel heads, right? <laughs> so your shop is surviving on Magic: The Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, and board games and back issues. T-shirt sales must be floating your shop, right? I'm calling the dude at Marvel full of shit. Because this dude standing up there talking all this good noise instead of saying, we overshot the mark. Or we oversaturated. We oversaturated, right? Because while 45% of my customer base might be women coming in to buy this shit, right? A lot of them are going to trade weight at some point because they're not trying to be comic book collectors. The market is still designed. The industry is still designed for collectors. For people who got long boxes and shit in their house, right? Like basements full of comics. Going to pass them shits down, put their kids through comics with it, Right? Women don't shop that way. They don't collect comics that way. They read stories. They're paying attention, right? <laughs> I went through to CTV2 buying old-ass comic books. I was so fucking happy to get two comics starring Man Wolf, right? J. Jonah Jameson's son went to space, came back a werewolf, had a bow and arrow and a sword. He's like a D&D &D character from like my, my 1982 days of playing D&D, &D, right? If you ask me did I read that story, I'm going to tell you no. The cover was dope. The character's dope. I bought it, right? I bought it with the same fucking fervor. I bought MC Hammer's first album on cassette back in the day. I bought it with the same mindset. That looks awesome. I hope it's good. I don't really want to find out. Right? Women don't read comics that way. Dudes do. Right? So dudes get in your collective mentality. You do your thing. Right? You feel betrayed by what Marvel's done right now. But you're not paying attention. Right? If your favorite hobby is to survive, you're going to die someday. You need to look around and be like, shit, do I want it here after I'm gone? If you don't give a fuck, get out now. Then watch what happens to your favorite industry. Because if you get out now, if dudes who don't want diversity, get the fuck out now. They don't want it expanded. They don't want new blood in. Then get out now and watch how much it changes. It'll change for the better the second you all get away. Right? It just will. You know what I mean? If angry, racist, white dudes go away, who's left? Folks who want something else, right. who will pay for the something else. But what if those people work at a publishing house? So, if you work at a publishing house whose, whose industry is predicated upon market like reaction, you will do what the market wants you to do. You know what I mean? You can't tell me Marvel movies are really doing what we want them to do. No, not at all. If Marvel films were doing what we wanted them to do, there would never be a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Because <laughs> that movie sucked. If they were doing what we wanted them to do, there wouldn't have been a Doctor Strange movie. That movie was good, but it wasn't necessary. You know? When you start doing what, what, what the industry kind of dictates you should be doing, based on what people are giving you for cash and input, right. things change. Right? I'm shitting all over what that dude said because diversity wasn't the problem. He ignored the fact that sales month of a month normally, normally drop and they oversaturated the damn market. Just because they bought Black Panther. That didn't mean you needed a world of Wakanda. I ain't shitting on Roxanne Gay. I am saying there was never a point where world of Wakanda historically was necessary. was necessary. The way that comic sales work was necessary, right? However, I can see where Marvel looking at that and going, shit, Black Panther, they fucking responded like a motherfucker. 
Let's give him word of Wakanda. If they'd wait until the Black Panther movie dropped, I'd understand. But again, if you're Marvel, somebody at Marvel sitting there right now thinking, these white dudes are going to sit around, they're going to look around and see all this diversity and pull the fucking plug. Let's get in there right now. <laughs> Which is why I know damn well the crew had to happen. Right? <laughs> it is not the fault of the reader that the reader moves on to something else. Right? Marvel isn't getting any edict that says diversity failed while Image is getting more damn market share. Why is Saga still one of the hottest damn books selling right now? You know? Right. I'm, for one title, I'm not even mad that people trade weight on is Saga. People trade weight on Saga all the damn time. And I ain't gonna, my, my orders, my actual orders for the, for the monthly don't drop, right? Someone comes and says, hey, you got Saga number eight? And I go, nah, number eight's not out yet. You got about you know, five months to wait for number eight. They go, all right, cool, I'll come back. But in the meantime, I'm about this bitch planet, right? Uh, let, me, let me get this paper girls. I right, yeah, oh shit, what's sex criminal? Ooh, Wig Div? Oh yeah, yeah, you put me you put me on that last time. Is that new one? Yeah, oh, number four, I ain't got that yet. Not I mean? Monstrous? This looks amazing. Pretty deadly, what's that all about? Right? It takes these people a while before they even get the shit Robert Kirkman did. You know? And Kirkman ain't hurting for money. You know? But Marvel tells me that diversity fucking failed. Di right. No, diversity did not fail. You overestimated what was really happening. You didn't read the you didn't read the lay of the land right. You didn't understand the nature of how your customer shops because you've never actually given a fuck about how women actually shop in terms of your market. You didn't care. You don't care. You know there are women who watch your movies, but you've never paid attention to how they buy your comics, right? You've never paid attention. One thing that came up in, in the comment shit is there were people who agreed about the thing because they said nobody wants. Nobody wanted, you know, we, this divorce got four stalkers. Nobody wanted a chick Thor. Nobody wanted an Asian Hulk. Nobody wanted a, and they went down the list, and they said nobody wanted that, and this is just people reacting. Those people are right. Nobody wanted those things. But as nobody was buying the thing that was happening before that, which may have been really good, you have to make a change to get the sales back. And since everybody was interested in Thor in the movies, but not Thor in the comics, listen, if you don't like Jane Foster as Thor, then get at me and tell me what you thought of the story right before Jane Foster became Thor. You get at me and tell me what you thought of the, the uh, Jason Aaron and Pascal Ferry, uh, I think it was Pascal Ferry or Olivia Coypel, one of them, but you, you tell me what you thought of the God Butcher storyline, right? At the time. Don't go buy it now and tell me. You didn't read that shit? That was the best fucking Thor series since Walt Simonson did it and people didn't buy it, right? Marvel does a useless fucking series called Original Sin and one of the things that come out of it, James Foster becomes Thor, right? Boom, sales jump up because that was interesting. That was the Marvel Now movement, Marvel Now. Yeah. The thing that Marvel did a year after DC did uh, New 52, I believe, right? Marvel Now has now had Marvel Now, all new Marvel Now, and all new, all different Marvel. All new, all different, yeah. In the same time frame in which DC has done New 52 and Rebirth. There's a thing around my stuff we talk about where Marvel is the, the kind of, they're, they got, they, they're caught out here to me, they're caught out here with their underwear showing where they do a thing after DC does it worse than DC did it. Right? You are now trying to be the diversity and legacy company and you have half-assed stepped into that, yeah. right, without fully committing. 
You have fully committed to any character in which you've put that character on a screen. If you put the character on a screen, you're in. Miles Morales, Squirrel Girl, and Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan are here to stay, right? Because they're on the Spider-Man cartoon and they're on various other little products. It's like they, 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 right. they've committed to those dudes, right? But I was, I'm gonna say that Marvel Hardcore really shit on Carol Danvers, who spearheaded this whole thing. The Carol Core were there for you based on some like like alternate universe bullshit. <laughs> you failed those people. There was a point at which there was more Carol Danvers happening at the comic book convention than there were Deadpools. Yeah. You let Deadpool take over again and you don't even own his fucking rights. Right? Diversity didn't fail, you failed. You know? <laughs> the Blackhawks can't be like, well, you know, let, let me just, I, I'm going to tell you, you know what failed, hockey fans? When we play our games, the rink is just 20 feet shorter. You know? No, it's not. You're playing the other team, man. They beat you. Now your fans can cry their asses to sleep at night. Bitches. You know? Like, that, that, that's, that's it. That's all there is. That's it. My fan hat looked at that shit and said, oh man, Marvel, the Legacy at Marvel looks great. I love looking at Legacy at Marvel. I love these characters who've been around since the Kirby and Lee era saying, let us step off a little bit. We can change. We can grow. We need to change. We can grow. Next generation, step up. This is why I'm not mad at Steve, Steve Rogers' Hydra agent. I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad. He can only be Steve Rogers as he had been before the movies for so long, and he cannot actually be Steve Rogers from your films because Steve Rogers from your films is also boring, and you only love him because he's hot. Right? You don't actually fucking care. There's nothing Steve Rogers has said in these fucking movies that matters to the fan base. He is not reaching people as Steve Rogers in this fan base. Nah, he can't be. That dude's boring and uninteresting. He, Steve Rogers, Captain America in Marvel films is more boring than anything anybody's ever said about Superman in comics. He's giving you nothing. Chris Evans has been a great Captain America at giving you dick. But not... <laughs> giving you nothing. Giving you nothing. He's giving you nothing to make you say other than the shield. The costume's great. Right. The movies are fun. Right. Everyone in the Captain America movie is more interesting than Captain America. Cap Steve Rogers, as played by Chris Evans in those movies, is the Green Lantern of Marvel Comics. He is not interesting, but he goes to interesting places and meets interesting people. I tell you that much about him. So what do you think his comics were going to be like? Captain America the comic book was interesting when written by Ed Brubaker and it was when the Winter Soldier appeared in comics, dope. All that whole line, dope. Ed Brubaker made that book dope and Steve Rogers wasn't even in the shit. Captain America was dead and the book was still the best Marvel book that they had out. Right? Not mean? Like, that shit was that fucking good. Now, you, you tell me the next dude comes along and he can't do a story where the Cosmic Cube fucking changes his history, so now he's evil temporarily. It's fucking comics. I mean, he was dead temporarily. Now he's just evil. He was dead before you people were still buying it, right? Unless you weren't buying it when he was well, dead. Were, but trust me, within the last eight years, he was dead for about a year, and his comic kept going. You're mad that he's a Hydra agent now. But when Sam Wilson got it, that was an issue. It was an issue. It was an issue when Sam Wilson got it. 
I had a whole lot of people coming up and telling me, the Falcon deserves this. And I wanted to say, deserves it based on its time as Captain America's sidekick in the 70s? <coughs> deserves it based on all that dope-ass like Falcon work that was done in the Avengers alongside Captain America and the rest of the Avengers? Or deserves it because you really love the Winter Soldier movie? Right? It deserves it based on the Winter Soldier movie. You know that's what it is, right? Yeah. I had somebody come in this week and tell me. Shout come on, man. Really? Shout out to our man. What's this dude's name? Aaron Cobham. You know Aaron. Aaron Big Falcon. <laughs> no, no. What is it? Um, Falcon. Not the movies. What's my man's name? Damn it. Oh, like like uh, uh, Anthony. Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie. Even, yeah, though, yeah. He, even though he when he talks, is dumb because he's on some hotel bullshit. But he played Falcon. He did well. Shout out to his brother, whose name I believe is Howard Mackey, who is a well-regarded actual genius and, 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 and uh, educator who I've heard speak. And that dude is solid. Like, this, this is Anthony Mackey's big brother. And he's like, he's a science dude. He's like, this dude's cool. He's a cool dude. Hmm. You know? He's very proud of his little brother who might be an idiot. But, you know... <laughs> I think my name's my, my man's name is Howard Mackey. So okay, yeah. wait, wait. What did Aaron say about Falcon? He said shit about Falcon. No, you said he will after I say this. When he hears it, he's gonna say some shit about Falcon. Okay, no, no. You, you know, you're about to say something about somebody came in the shop. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, well, my man said. Oh, not Aaron. Okay, gotcha. Okay. All right. My man said he was talking about the diversity thing with me, and he goes, "Man, you know, it's just too much. You know, there are two Captain Americas now. You know." There's two Captain America comics, and one of them was the Falcon. Like, really? Come on, it's just time for us to get back to one Captain America. I looked at him and said, I, I just sold you an X-Men comic. Or would you bought X-Men Gold, X-Men Blue, and Weapon X. So you just bought three X-Men comics while you're totally talking different. about there being too many Captain Americas. Bruh, at one point, there were 19 X-Men comics. Right? What are you talking about? Dude, the dude's bag had three different books within the Batman. Right? You can't tell me Captain America didn't earn a second comic book when one dude's just black. Right? Even if you ever said to yourself, man, you know what would be good? You know what would help Captain America? If he could just have a jetpack. Well, now he's got one. He got a jetpack and melanin, bitches. Like, shut the fuck up. What do you care? You know, well, that, somebody, changes, that changes Captain America. In 1985, I know damn well there was a meeting at Marvel Comics where somebody was like, Captain America needs a pet eagle. Because he's Captain America. Well, now he's got a Falcon. Shut the fuck up. What? What? If you don't want Captain America being a Hydra agent, Captain America ain't shit more America than fucking Sam Wilson flying around with his wings and his fucking Falcon kicking people in the goddamn teeth because it's his turn to do it. State diversity by me. Diversity. Let me tell you more diversity. If you want diversity, the champions are a team of kids at Marvel Comics who were in, some of them were in the Avengers and decided the Avengers weren't really doing shit but to change the world, to help the world. So they left, they split off and went and did their own thing. The book, read the first trade. The first trade should be good. I'm hoping. It's, it's this, getting very Trumpy now though. It's not Trumpy. The no. issue, it's not Trumpy. The problem is that Mark Wade can't create villains. He, his, whole, his whole career. But now the villains don't necessarily, we I say it's Trumpy because the villains aren't competing on that same, like, beat you up kind of level. They're on that shit where it's kind of Trumpy, where it's like, we're going to get you on the business side. And that's Trumpy. You're calling it Trumpy 
I'm disagreeing because this has been a thing done in comics before. It, it's been done in comics where a writer will look at a different angle other than just attacking you because you're a hero. They're attacking your image. They're attacking your, yeah. your brand, yeah. right? Because the champions wanted to use their... They, they yeah. stated they want right. to use their brand to For change good. the world. Right, right. The brand gets attacked. Yes. And it's kind of smart that a villain comes along to pervert the champion's brand, yes. right? To hit him in their pockets a little bit, right? What it, is smart. it was just with him in the image. Sure. But Ms. Said, Marvel's but whole thing. Ms. That's the concept. Yes. Because Miss Marvel's whole thing was image, but now the image is getting fucked with. Right. That's why I call it Trump. Okay. Yeah. So we're just we're just disagreeing on the label. Yeah. Because when I yeah, I think of different things, but I think of something being Trump. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know? I'm thinking Trumpy in terms of What I don't like in comics, there's a thing happening in comics a lot now where somebody is having to make their characters specifically address a thing that is related to Trump's politics. And I think sometimes that gets a little bit overblown because 10 years from now, hopefully, hopefully. we'll remember this blip in the road or we'll forget this blip in the road or whatever the hell. Or Either way, we'll be past it. We've recovered from it. You know, it's, it's, like, it's like people, if you put uh, the iPhone 6 in a comic book right now, well, 20 years from now, we're going to read it and people won't even have iPhones. They'll just be using some fucking implant in their, their fucking contact lenses. You know, and it'd be like, wait, people actually carried phones around? You know, like, I don't like things that date the comic. Okay. Right? So I tend to not like that. I don't mind that they attack the champion's image. What I mind is that the villains who are attacking the champion's image all suck. They suck hard. Right? Like, they, they weren't even as interesting I mean, as the Hellions who attacked the New Mutants back in the day. They're not. I mean, they're, no, they're not because their, their function is, because their whole thing is that way punch down. They're right. basically Republican superheroes. They stated superheroes. we punch down. Yes, we're Republican superheroes. Right. Yes, we're we punch down. We represent business interests. We yeah. don't give a you know we're evicting people. Right. We're kicking them out. We're we're beating up homeless people. Blaming on a champion. Yep. Right. So they're Republican superheroes. So it's so thinly veiled, it may as well not be veiled at all. Which <laughs> is why I don't like it. Ah. This is bad comics writing. Okay. It is it is directly putting your politics into your comic, but not actually making it good comic. You're a good enough writer, Mark Waite, to be able to make a statement about a thing. Like, Mark Waite's career in comics has been great, right? He is good enough to tell a story about villains who are reprehensible people, but I'm going to tell you, supervillains are already reprehensible. They don't have to evict more people to be reprehensible, right? They're already supervillains. This is where I think it fails. You're trying to make us, I hate to say it, relate to the supervillain, by showing him do a thing and specifically talk about a thing we see in the news and that's on our Twitter feeds. Don't do that. Fuck that noise, right? We don't need that. We don't, no one's reading a comic to be like, man, I want to see whose stock price drops today. No one does it. I hope I see a bread line today. Ooh, I wonder if these people in this little tiny town are going to be able to get healthcare. Will a villain fuck the healthcare up? Nobody's reading comics for that. So while your politics might go that way, so do mine, right? I don't need that in the comics. I need you to make villains interesting so that I they make the hero more interesting. That's the way it always goes. That's how you do it. Right, okay. He's always, but he's always made villains that weren't interesting to me, to the world, really. Just saying. All right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, man, I can list all kinds of, like, yeah, read the Hulk because that's Jennifer Walters, She-Hulk, and as the star in the Hulk book, yeah, there's all kinds of books here. In fact, let's get into my comic shit, right? I got a stack of comics. Right, let's, go, let's, let's go with that. Let's we're go. going right into my comics, y'all. Let's go right into it, y'all. All right, bet. 
America number one hit last month or earlier this month. Number two is also out. Yes. Right? But I'm holding uh, uh, America number one by Gabby Rivera, who I saw an interview with, and Gabby Rivera is kind of awesome. I want to hang out with Gabby Rivera. Because Gabby Rivera looks, you see the kind of chick that, like, if you're partying with Gabby Rivera, someone's getting thrown through a window at the end of the night. Right? Like, Gabby Rivera seems that damn cool. You're going to eat well, you might dance, you might get a better hat and a, a good shirt combo. Someone's getting tattooed and someone's getting thrown through a window. And if that, I imagine wherever Gabby Rivera is right now, she, she's, she, Gabby Rivera right now is writing a comic book in a sandlot under an overpass run expressway and there are flames coming out of garbage cans. And she's just writing on a laptop. Because Gabby Rivera is that fucking dope, right? It is uh, Miss America, the character, Miss America. Yes. Who I, I prefer the version of the character where the story's getting told in the Ultimates because I like that high science kind of action-y thing less than the kind of things as if they were done by Erica Henderson. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm more of the hard sci-fi Warren Ellis end of comics than I am Squirrel Girl and Captain Marvel, but I still recognize the quality therein, right? Okay. My fan hat wants the Warren Ellis Alistair Reynolds kind of feel, right? Okay. And what uh, Ms. America does in the Ultimates comics, that is hard, like, kind of crazy-ass, multidimensional, multiversal bullshit there. I love that thing. I love that, that character's role in that. Mm. And I want that character to be more prominent in that. What is happening in the America comic is not, I believe, specifically written for me, but it's written for a lot of people I sell comics to. Yeah. Right? Like, my retailer hat, I want more. More of this thing. Right? And if Marvel shits the bed on this, I'm going to sell the fuck out of the trade paperback. Because Marvel's wrong, right? You're shitting on diversity, but people came out for this. Right. I don't sell, I don't carry a lot of variant comics. I don't order a bunch. I kind of did a thing with some variants on this one. <laughs> and it's justified paying for all the shit, but ordering all of it. You know what I mean? Like, it's worked. You know? Shout out to Hamilton. That, there's a variant, there's a Hamilton variant for America. Yeah, I'll show you when we're done. Okay. Yeah. I, I, did, I saw the list of people who were doing variants. Yeah, yeah. And like, oh, okay. One of them was a, ha a Hamilton variant. Nice. Okay. I'm yeah. with it. I read it. The, the, the Sotomayor University was a good touch. There was a, there yeah. a lot of Latino, Latina touches yeah. in this shit, which was great. Like I said, it's not, you know, you recognize it's not for you, Mr. Next year, next year at C2E2, I'm going to find out where Gabby Rivera is going to be, and we're going to see if Gabby Rivera is coming. And me and my wife will take Gabby Rivera out to do some bowling and, like, go to Humble Park and, like, punch people when they don't see it coming. Because Gabby Rivera, she's throwing down somewhere out there right now. Wherever Gabby Rivera is right now, it's judgment night with cupcakes. I'm going to tell you, Gabby goes hard. I just know. Yeah. Okay. That's what's happening. All right. Gabby don't All right. know. All right. Aaron, you ain't ready, but you need this book. Right. I might already sold it to Aaron. What's up? All right, next. Is it Black Panther and the crew? The crew, yo. I bought that shit. That shit was hot. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to agree and disagree at the same time here. <sighs> because it is... So here, okay. So it's Tyler Hassey Coates, which no one, we ain't gonna argue that point. Right? Right, like, right. Okay. He's gotten a lot better at writing comics. He's gotten and, better. And I'm going to tell you, from this read-through, in one year, world better at comics and storytelling. Because this is absolutely him and, him and Butch Guys, who has been a in my mind one of my favorites for like years for decades in comics right the the thing about like showing and not telling 
right? And storytelling in yeah, comics right. is vitally important. And this book, compared to Black Panther number one, or even Black Panther one through four, right? Worlds apart here. Yeah, oh, totally. Right? Totally. I love that about it. I just disagree that in the Marvel Universe, anything was ever set up to where if a bunch of brothers got powers, they would hang out together. I, I, I had to think about this where if in the real world, if brothers all got superpowers, would we all hang out? And at, at one point I said to myself, hell no, we wouldn't. And then, yeah, we would. I'm going to tell you, now, white America, if black people just got superpowers, you That's what, that's what black is about. That's legit, what, um, yeah, it's true. It, yeah. C2E2 showed me. Who, was, who did that? I, I, found, I funded that. I think Kari Randolph was involved. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I bought a couple issues of that. Yeah, and I need to become a little more widely available so I can get on it. Yeah, it wasn't but, it wasn't great, but it was like, what if black people had superpowers? Brothers they would hang out, hang out together. They, like hang out. Fucking, they, they really out. would. They legit would. Because every when I was walking through C2E2, every other aisle I was in, a brother would run up to me and be like, hey, Terry, what's going on? What's happening? Where you headed? Oh, man, I'm headed over to so-and-so's booth. Because so-and-so's booth was there, and I saw so-and-so over there. And I was like, they think I know all these people. But I do know two of them. Fuck. Like, this is real shit. Like, if we all had superpowers, there would be a black superpower C2E2 after party, for sure, right? And, and my role would be to make sure nobody book ready for the world, right? Because I know somebody would try to book ready for the world. Because I know how it would go. There'd be a couple cats there with jerry curls, right? Who thought their era was coming back, and I, my whole role would be to, to shut that down. But see, the thing is, though, that there's, if, for brothers with jerry curls, there's gotta be a sister that happens to have firepowers and the brothers of Jericho's got to be out. And, or at least on the other side of the room. Oops. Yeah. They'd have to be on the other side of the room. In fact. Right. In Swoosh. fact. They fucking, with their zoot suits. And, and my favorite, yeah, one of my favorite comics sound effects. Swoosh. Swoosh. <laughs> Love that shit. I, I like Black Panther and the crew because there's something kind of meta about it. It is not about the principle that if brothers had superpowers, they would all get together and do superheroing. It is about the idea that this once happened and they are now legend, but they're not the characters you expect. No, not at all. Right? The, the person relating the story might be talking about characters you know, but they don't know them as you know them. Yes. I like that take on it absolutely. Thank you, Mr. Coates. You brought me a thing that now matches what I love about comics. And the fact that like the, the first issue, people don't use... like. The last page, someone uses a superpower. Right. That's it. Yep. It's human. It's humanity. It's it like human as fuck. black people in Harlem, and you have like oppressive police state, and you have a mysterious murder, and you your mysterious you know you have activists killed and police in dead in police custody. Yep. And you like oh shit, and you look at all these people, and no one has powers. No one exhibits powers until the last page. Yep. Because people are human. Because their whole thing is like, yo, this thing happened. We have this situation. And you got a, you have a roster of people. And that roster of people are trying to do the right thing and trying to work through this issue from different sides. You got, I mean, it, it's, I was, <coughs> this is the thing where usually, you know, you read the number one and you say, okay, where is this going? Am I going to be along for the ride? Do I get it? You know, am I interested enough to buy number two? Am I wait for, you know, do I just wait for the trade or whatever? I'm going to buy two as soon as it hit because this shit maybe it got me interested. And Tiny Coates is miles beyond what he was in Black yep. Panther. My next book, I don't know how many cats out there. So 
there's a thing that's kind of an underlying kind of low-key trend. And it takes up on that like kind of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen kind of uh, stilo of let's take characters of an era and make a super team out of them. So the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen definitely did it. Yeah. And then rather recently this was done with um, uh, what's the book with Nikola Tesla and Jack Johnson and uh, uh, Thomas Edison. Uh, it's gonna come to me in a minute. That came out like a couple of last year or so. Um, that was also Rough Riders. Okay. That wasn't a bad book. There's a new kind of uh, entry into that kind of thing, right? Called The Greatest Adventure, right? Which is a book that takes characters created by Edgar Rice Burroughs and throws them into the same story, right? So I like it because I like the concepts in general of taking like eras of characters or a writer's characters and putting them in one group. This involves, uh, 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 say, let's say Tarzan, John Carter of Mars, a few of the other John Carter characters, like all on like kind of a, a, a Jason and the Argonauts kind of an adventure, <laughs> right? It's cool. And, and the look of this, I'm gonna just show you, I'm, I'm, I'm passing this to Troy, but and I don't know how many shops out there, if you guys do, you know, you're shop hunting here. I don't know how many of you cats out there like, you know, go to different shops or whatever, but some of these, uh, some of the stories you read over time, like from Planetary, I just reread Planetary by, um, by Warren Ellis, like Latin the last couple weeks. Some of the reason you can do some of these kind of stories where you use these old concepts is because they're in public domain now, right? Like anyone can do stories with these guys. Right? And why not? Why not do modern stories with them? You don't want to necessarily go read an original Tarzan story, right? But some of the core of what that character could be might be kind of dope in a story that happens to involve, you know, other characters from other eras. Like, why not? Like, superheroes are about, like, taking a fantastic idea and putting them in some other weird-ass fantastic situation. You're reading Captain America, but you can't read a Sherlock Holmes and Tarzan team-up story. You can't read it because they don't exist. But if they did exist, how cool would a John Woo action hero be with Sherlock Holmes, Tarzan, and say, like, you know, Flash Gordon, right? That could be kind of cool. You know what I mean? Well, at least it's, it's, a, it's a chance. Yeah. You're, like, doing, I, you're giving me something new. I like using literary characters in comics in this kind of context. Okay. I don't know that I need their original stories adapted for comics. Yeah, right. Really. I don't necessarily need that because sometimes when you adapt something for comics from an actual story, you adapt it literally, like the Game of Thrones comics. Which let me tell you, they don't drop any fucking words. Them shits is dense, right? Or you adapt it kind of haphazardly, like those Stephen King comics. I can't fucking read those. I find it really hard to get through them, and I'm, I don't like Stephen King to begin with. But it's not helping. But I like The Greatest Adventure. I was, like I was. Kind of like very looking forward to reading this kind of thing. This genre of comic is something that does appeal to me. Right? Okay. <coughs> Nick Fury number one by James Robinson and this cat called Akko. I'm hoping he's called Akko because his name is spelled ACO. And Akko just kind of seems like that makes sense there. The dude, the artist, if you are a fan of the Nick Fury era, that was the Jim Steranko era, in which the art and the writing and the style and the lettering were all kind of one thing. They made one creature out of the whole breadth of what that comic was supposed to be, where somebody takes a page 
and the words and the art are not two separate things. They become like the same, they go together, right? The lettering goes together, the coloring, the, the layout, the design, the composition, nothing is taken left for chance, right? This dude, Akko, does that with his art. He brings that old school, like, Steranko era fury to this. I'm passing that to Troy now so he can peep it because I'm, I'm looking mad curious. He does not know what I'm talking about. Very few comics can pull this off. The people who are fans of J.H. Williams III know what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where you can say page layout and art and lettering and color and all of that are one entity, right? That's kind of what you get with this, this style of comic, which is not easy to do. A lot of us in comics were used to reading like kind of you know, nine-panel layout-based stuff. Yo, right? this is not layout. This is in panel, like, why? okay. Yeah, I mean, this is, <laughs> like, the panel, like, you know, I'm, we're used to, like, say, the, you know, squares. Panels don't matter now. You know, the man is telling a Nick Fury story that is there's as much style as there is substance here. Yo, this is look 40, at the cover. Like, look at the cover there. No, the, he, just dig the cover. I'm, I'm digging. Yeah, the covers. I mean, we've well, oh, the covers just Samuel Jackson looking Nick Fury, but inside, instead of just inking the instead of inking the image, they've gone with like kind of a magenta wash. But in the magenta wash are the old Steranko comic images. Troy just said, oh. I just said, oh, like the first page is the only page which is no quote unquote normal, a which normal is, page, yep. which is just like right, nine, nine panel layout, literal nine panel layout, three three, which three. is very, which is very purposeful in comics. When you do just nine panel layout, you're making a statement. When you go for the most basic panel, you're still making an artistic statement. But the next thing is like a double a double spread of circles, the frames interconnected of circles. circles, right? Yeah, yeah, like domes connected by roadways. Yeah, and. Yo, okay. Then, like, then we're kind of back to to we're squares. We're back to nine panel layout, sure. And then, you know, we get a, you know, full page joint. And then we're starting to play with frames now. We're trying to we're putting doing, circles in frames. They, where, these cats are doing nine panel layout comics, and and the best use of that was Watchmen. If you want to know what I'm talking about for nine panel layout, I use the best use of that normally to be Legion of Superheroes by the Birnbaums and Keith Giffen. But Watchmen would be what most people think about. But it, it's it's gold. This book is is good. Good job for a Nick Fury comic. You can't have a Nick Fury comic be a Punisher comic. Like it's not meant to be that thing, right? It, that's not it's, that's not Nick Fury's purpose. Nick Fury's purpose is to be smooth, awesome, secret agent dude. Right. He's he was meant to Nick Fury as White Nick Fury was meant to basically be. That James Bond who was not a drunken sot, right? The James Bond who was the hipness of being a secret agent. This is giving you the hip while giving you the, 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 the smooth cultural flavor you need, right? This is, if, if like James Bond sports. were played by Billy D in his prime, but designed by a straight up, like, like art deco pop cultural designer. Like the cat doing the Duran Duran covers, you know? Man, you can't sleep on that shit. Don't sleep on it, people. Don't sleep get on out it. there and get your Nick Fury. That shit was hot. That's, that was nice. I get it. Uh, next on my stack is Secret Empire number zero. Because for as angry as people are about this whole like Hydra cap thing, like like Steve Rogers being an agent of, of Hydra, Secret Empire is the storyline in which they reveal what that was really all about. They did reveal a long time ago how he became right. Hydra cap, right? right? But I feel, honestly, they should have left it at that. 
work from that premise. They went deeper. I don't think they need to go deeper into an explanation. And I think that they kind of went deeper into an explanation, possibly in response to fan reaction. Right. Right? So I'm going to ignore all of that part and just say that when we get to the point, when we get to Hydra Cap's ultimate plan, the unfolding of the plan for any supervillain is the core of any good comic book story. If the hero is going to come back from it, you need to give him something real to come back from. Hydra Cap gives the hero something real to come back from. Starting Secret Empire Zero, I am happy about this. Right? Okay. Again, America, young America, I will also state, Hydra Cap is not ruining your Captain America or your understanding of what is and is not a Nazi. Right? Comics change shit, and they change it back in a few years. It happens all the fucking time. This is the beginning of you getting a Hydra agent cap. He's still not a Nazi. You got a Hydra agent fucking cap. But in the time in which before you got that Hydra agent cap, when you weren't paying attention, he had no powers. He was an old man. He wore a power suit. He was a vampire. He was a werewolf. He was mind controlled by Hitler. These things all happened in the past. I, I, I named like five fucking things that happened to him. There's 30 things I didn't name. I, I ain't tell you shit about the Conan period. I ain't tell you about the time he shot the fucking president. I ain't tell you none of that. Right? But Secret Empire Zero, I enjoyed very much. I just didn't need the extra fucking like it's yeah, like it's, it's like vision. Marvel giving me the it's like when 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 in G.I. Joe they gave you the secret background of the Cobra organization. Right. And it's some mystical Tibetan mystical bullshit. No, we didn't need that. Right. Just tell me like just, Cobra's a mystical organization. Right. right. Sure. Like oh. right. Yeah, yeah. You right. can speculate sure. on that. Take and, me to the, and like you and your boy, you and your in people. In the G.I. Joe cartoon, there were nine Cobra temples. We know they're a mystical organization, right? A bumbling idiot. You, Hydra is that thing, right? Like, it's fine. Be that thing, you know? Be that thing. The last thing on my list is Sh Shaolin Cowboys Back by Jeff Darrow. Were yeah. you up on this, Troy? No, because I was still with my uh, Cowboy Ninja Viking. Troy, I'm about to change. Okay, no, so no, Troy, I'm, I, normally, no, part of me would normally tell me, part of me, part of me would normally tell Troy that Troy was wrong for choosing Cowboy Ninja Viking over Shaolin Cowboy. Only the time in which he's talking about, Shaolin Cowboy wasn't being published. So he's okay. You didn't miss anything. Cowboy Ninja Viking okay. was a very good comic. Oh my God. Super interesting. Yes. Super and, interesting. And got totally stopped at the wrong this goddamn time. ain't that. I know it's not that. I know it's this, not that, but that was also where I had very few, I had very... I, my, my bandwidth, my, my my concentration was very, my, it was very small. We're talking about this, and Troy has not seen these panels. I think I've Shaolin seen the cover a bunch. I've, seen, just, the, I've, seen, seen, the I've seen the cover a bunch. All right. So Jeff Darrow, local dude, local now, lives in the neighborhood here, right? <clears throat> Jeff Darrow is one of the most detailed comic book artists in the industry, in the history of comic books. Jeff Darrow will wow you with any given page, given the amount of detail he's able to fit in there. If you have not read Hard Boiled or Big Guy and Rusty or the other the original Shaolin Cowboy, all the other Shaolin Cowboy stories, the ten issues there might have been, you should hunt those things down. Buy, borrow, steal it, right? Find Jeff Darrow's work. Also a designer, along with Steve Scrooge, who's another one of my favorites, on the Matrix movies, of which there was only one of the movies, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. It's back. Jeff Darrow is back with a Shaolin Cowboy story, and I'm very happy about this. And I am passing it across. The way he gets the detail, from what I understand, what he told me is, he basically layers with vellum. He draws on a sheet of vellum, lays that down, puts another sheet of vellum on top of that, 
lays that down and draws a bunch of stuff, puts another sheet of vellum on top of that, lays that down and draws on top of that, and then scans all of it. So that it's effectively, he is able to give all the attention he needs to to any particular image or, or piece he's working on or any element of a piece he's working on. And when it all comes together, it is one solid, super detailed piece. Whereas if somebody who doesn't use this technique is drawing, what they tend to do is they draw the foreground, then they put things in the background, then they put things in the background of that, and they're not actually yeah. able to complete any of these images because when something's in the background, if there's a character's head as a foreground, right? And you want to put birds or bats or hawks or some shit, crows in the background, you're not drawing crows behind the guy, right? Because the reader can't see them. Why would you draw it, right? But if you do draw it, then when you actually bring the vellum together, all the details there for the for every bird you did draw, and we can tell as a reader, right? Now, when you're not trying to draw like a regular old monthly comic for ends of months on end on end on end, right? Then you can put all that fucking work in. But if you got to draw month after month an issue of Batman, right? You can't individually render every fucking brick. I understand, right? Jeff Darrow is not going to individually individually render every brick, but he is absolutely going to put blood on the bricks, he's going to put insects on the bricks, he's going to put mile markers behind the bricks, he's going to put dust in some areas, but not in other areas. The man draws bricks and kung fu, son! So, one of our... I'm going to put this in Aaron Cobham's hands when he comes in the shop next, because Aaron needs that right there. Okay. He ain't up on it. The, Aaron, you ready for Shaolin Cowboy, son? <laughs> Get so, ready. So, um... Friend Jeff went to uh, C2E2. I know that dude, Jeff. Yes, we all know the dude, Jeff. We should all be cool with Bobby Digital. We all be cool with our man, Jeff. So he mentioned offhand, says Brian Stelfreeze dropped a, some knowledge to a group of people. Oh, an art thing. An art thing. I was curious about what that was. Yes, because I had to ask about it. So he said, and, 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 and this is what you just remarked on the detail mm. that, was, that was done here. I've been dropping knowledge about art since I was fucking five. But well, Jeff Smith didn't know me back then. Okay, well, Brian Stelfreeze also who, didn't know me back then. I didn't, but still was dropping. But he know me now. But he was dropping mad shit. And he says he was reviewing a dude's portfolio and telling him how important storytelling was. Dude was asking how I draw anatomy, how much definition do I put on X, on Y. And he says, always ask yourself, why am I putting in that definition? How does it support the story and the perspective? The guy had great art, but wasn't arranged in any way to tell an actual story. It was walk, like walking through a gallery. Frank, so Brian Selfrey said, Frank Miller's art is ugly. It's the ugliest shit I've ever seen. Fact. But guess what? Sin City is an ugly place with ugly people. And the art supports that node, that narrative. Let's say we're telling a story about a guy waiting in the office. Let's say he's been in there an hour. When I draw that room, I'm going to draw everything in excruciating detail. Yep. Because when you're in a room alone for an hour, you notice all this. You tend to look and notice everything. Every bit of it. But the next panel, a guy walks in with a gun. I might not even draw walls. Because that's not what that character is experiencing in that moment. In that moment, the only thing that matters is the gun. Fact. So that's, ga that's game. That's, yep. that's, you know, that's drawing comics. That's. So the fact that this dude like says, you know, I'm going to put in this detail to this excruciating level. And Brian Selby like, look, if it fits the story, do what you do. Because a lot of stuff, and me trying to do my own stuff, 
you try to figure, you're trying to tell a story and how much do I need to do in order to tell this story? Otherwise, it becomes a lot of what we saw at C2E2. A lot of stuff is going to Arts Alley where people are doing the, they're doing pinups, they're doing fan art, they're not telling the story. They're right. just drawing. A they're lot drawing of what happens at C2E2 is absolutely people who can't tell the story to save their lives. You know, it's just people, it's dope. The print, you know, 11 by 17 is dope, it's hot, but they're not telling the story about it. They're not telling the story with it. Right. So, okay, your pinup is hot, but, you know, what does this chick do? Right. Does this chick have an adventure? It's just. Like, I'm not going to push. she meant to reach. There's a lot of that, too, right? Like, if you, you tell a story about a person, when I'm working on a thing or I'm writing a thing, or even if I'm coming up on a scenario, like when I'm writing a D&D, like, fucking episode or whatever for, for one of my groups, a lot of what I have to think about is I'm making an encounter, but my encounter has to, stir, has to, has to serve the greater campaign. Right. Right? What are my players going to experience today that furthers this story along, even if they don't catch it right now, three sessions from now, they'll look back and go, oh, shit, that's what that was about. Oh, right, that works. You know, in comic book storytelling, I think a lot of cats, what, what Brian Stelfreeze could have really helped that dude with, and I don't know, I mean, I wasn't there. He might have told the dude. A lot of times you have to get into, like, why people draw or try to make comics the way they make them. When a lot of us spend our time making the dopest, most detailed drawing in each panel we're making, it's because we learn to draw comics from comics, right? Right. We've seen something that impressed the fuck out of us, so we want to learn to do that thing that impressed the fuck out of us. We have missed the point, however, of the th what the thing that we saw, what its job was, right? If you leave your house and there's road work going on outside, you immediately say to yourself, oh shit, they tore up my damn street. First impression, I can't fucking use my street and tore my shit up. Where's my car? Can I get around these bullshit ass vehicles, whatever the hell? And when I come back, where am I gonna park? Well and good. The next damn thing has to be, fuck, I can't believe I just went through that shit. But a month from now, a week from now, a month from now, whatever, you're gonna be like, oh shit, my street's smooth as a motherfucker, right? Right. Comic book people don't tend to think of the first experience is the entire street. Right. The first thing you think of coming out of your house is, oh shit, the dude in front of me, the street in front of me is fucked up. Right? There are no thoughts beyond that. You draw the fuck out of a fucked up street. You render the hell out of that fucked up street. Right. We ain't we ain't talking about what the what the construction work is going through. There's no thought given to how long they were working while you were sleeping. All we narrated was you woke up. Construction outside, you're trying to get to work, your block's fucked up. That's all that got narrated right there, right? We are leaving out all the other important shit, like what it takes to get a street done, what it's like when you're not there, what where they've gone next. There's a lot of things into construction, let's say, right. that we are not even taking into consideration. We want our street fixed, right? But when I, like, we were coming, my wife and I were driving here today to do the podcast, and we got onto one of our streets that we know, that I would normally drive down to get here, and traffic is normally easy as fuck. And traffic was ridiculous. Ridiculous. And we're normally not driving down that street this time of night, not that big, this time of the afternoon. And I'm like, what the shit can possibly be going on up ahead? Right? But in comics terms, I can now in my head be, be thinking about what's going on up there. And it, in, 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 in old school comics, What's going on up ahead is a superhero fight of all kinds of epic fucking proportions. But the ability to draw and render out like, 
just cats directing traffic around a hole or, you know, like crossing guards and shit. Like, what you really want to be drawn is the frustration of sitting in traffic. Yeah. But you also have to draw the ease of getting out of it once that happens. But on to the next thing. We get so focused on how, how, how heavy the superhero battle is, right? And what that must look like to impress us in the splash scene. Yeah. We are never on what the rest of that story is. We are not on all the other cars sitting in traffic in a way that matters. We're never on the timing of the lights. We're not on the background. We're not on any of that. And Brian Stelfreeze is right. When a dude comes in with a gun, everybody's focused on the gun. Right. The cops will tell you in any situation where some bad shit goes down, the reason why we don't really trust your memory is they know everybody's eyes go to the gun. Nobody's looking at the criminal. No one's looking at the perp. We blur his face right the hell out. He don't matter now. But in a context of doing art, everyone, when they draw a guy holding a gun, they work on the dude holding a the gun. They don't know what a fucking gun looks like, right? He's right. That's kind of how comics are done now. Storytelling is really about making our brains take the journey, right? And it's not just about where the punches get thrown. It's about where we, where we start in the middle and where we end. Right? Hit those details, the ones that you need to hit, and ignore the ones you don't. Or you ignore them for a reason. You don't ignore them because you know, like, a lot of guys or, who won't draw backgrounds. Right. Or, you know, Rob Liefeld and don't draw feet. Won't draw feet. I was talking to T2E2 to someone uh, about, I, I suggested they draw a comic. I said, you should draw, because I say this to people, you should draw a Legion of Superheroes comic. And the artist I said that to, is a great artist who I thought would just say to me, too many damn characters, I can't deal with that bullshit, right? And instead he said, I pitched the Legion of Superheroes. And DC turned it down because my idea was just, it, it, yeah, they, they turned it down. I just wanted to focus on these guys here and I was gonna do a whole lot of foregroundy stuff and I didn't have a lot for futuristic backgrounds and I said, you should talk to Gerhardt. Canadian dude who did service, did all his backgrounds, see if he'll do some futuristic backgrounds for you. He goes, it's actually a really good idea. I know that guy. Yeah, I know Gerhard. Yeah, maybe I'll shoot him a message. But he said it not like he was humoring me. He said it like, I'm a crazy person right now. When I come to my senses, I won't want to do this. But my God, right now, it's a great idea to do that. Someone else should do the background so I don't have to. Right? That was the way he said it. I believe that person was Mike Perkins. That's who it was. Okay, Lisa just said it was Terry Moore. You're right, it was Terry Moore, not Mike Perkins. It was a Texan, not a Brit. <laughs> no, it's okay. They, like I talked to both of those guys about things. It's still funny. I think I talked to Mike Perkins about being drunk, though. So it might have been Terry Moore. Yeah, Terry Moore makes more sense. <laughs> Last time I saw Mike Perkins, he was really drunk. He remembers seeing me really drunk. That's what matters, I guess. At C2E2. Gotta, gotta find your people. Then. Pre-party. Pre -party. The party before C2E2 shit happens. Mike Perkins will drink all the things. Okay. Shout out, speaking of C2E2, to Kieran Gillen and Jimmy McKelvey, whose line was mad long for signings of whatever. And our dude, like, we, we had a dude as a friend of ours who I won't name. But he's a really cool fucking dude, and everybody loves my man, who uh, ended up being the last person this dude's in their line and was having, like, not the best of fucking days. 
and this man standing around for any length of time at all is a bad scene for his back and knees, right? And if you know what I'm talking about, you know that man's been through some things. And it was, he thought he was only going to only be able to physically be able to do one day. He got himself to do a second day of C2E2, which I didn't think was even fucking possible. So when I saw him standing in that line, I went up to Jamie and Karen and said, hey, listen, I got a friend at the back of your line. It's the last dude here, and he's disabled, and, and like this, right. this line situation ain't going to fly. Like, I, it might not work for him. Is it cool if I just bring his book up? Can you guys just sign it real quick? I know your line's long as fuck. Right. Would you be willing to help me out on this so I can help my man out? And they go, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, let's do this. Right? They were so cool about it. Right? I walked up to him. I said, hey, give me your book. He gave me his book. And I walked up to the front of the line. He didn't even know what I was doing. Right? Most people, if I said, give me your book, you know I'm on some bullshit. But, like, <laughs> he didn't know what I was doing. And these guys signed his book, drew some shit in it. And they were very gracious about it. And they were, like, really fucking cool. And it was awesome. And the people in the line, nobody bitched, nobody said nothing, because that line was long. Right? right? And I, I, I got my man back off his damn feet, because I could see, like, he was looking not so good standing right. back in that line. Right? And C2E2, I already believe a disaster is waiting to happen there. Right? So you might have avoided a cardiac situation. I don't fucking know. But we got that done. They were very cool. There were a lot of cool people there. Jamie and, and Karen, two of the coolest fucking people. Okay. I know Troy's looking at the agenda up on the big screen. I don't here. even fucking know where we are right and now. And you look, so we did my comic, so here's what we're going to do. I'll do this bit. We're, basically, this is normally called Shit We Like. Okay. All right? In which, musically, Troy talked about Kendrick, because Troy's loved Kendrick for like five fucking years. Troy knew Kendrick back when they were no. like the 11th grade together. No, they, they were kicking it. No. Troy Kendrick, Kendrick used to hang out at the skate park. Is, Kendrick is 10 years younger than me. I know. Y'all used to hang out at the skate park? No, we couldn't. And like you was no, like 17 and Kendrick was 7? No, and Skateland USA, which is a content institution, got gets shot up every third Saturday. So then don't go on a third Saturday. That's, but you never knew when the third Saturday was. Do motherfuckers in Compton not have a calendar? Oh, no, because, you know, you can go a while and like, Oh, yeah, which Saturday are we on right now? It was a comic book meetup. It's time to go shoot up the skate park. Skateland USA was the shit. Or a rink. It was a rink. It was a rink. Anyway, I ain't talking about Compton no more. This motherfucker talk about Compton every goddamn podcast. This dude talk about Compton more than I talk about Dream Theater. All right, anyway, we moving on. Fuck Compton. All right, so. <laughs> Get him, Marion. Get him. See, if this was like a TV show. You would see bars and please stand by. <laughs> but this isn't, because we can handle this shit after we turn the mic on. Compton, Compton, Compton. <laughs> Let me tell you about the glory days of Compton. Once upon a time, Roger was our mayor. <laughs> Compton? Yeah, I know. Anyway. I can't do the vocoder thing just by singing. I just that's, that's, there's a reason for it. It's weird. It's a reason for it. <laughs> I mean, we can get Dre here to rape his corpse some more, if you want, you know? That's all he did back in Compton, from what I understand, West Coast. Y'all just fucking took Roger and Zap and just ran his ass. Y'all used that dude more than Puffy used anybody. He got paid, though. He got credit. He got residual. <laughs> he was elevated to the status his, of a his, legend. His, he was already a legend. Well, his, he, he was a legend. He became a legend to a younger crowd. Right. To the younger generation. I will not, next I will podcast, not add his slander. Next podcast, we will have to explain all these references to some of our listeners no, who have no clue what the well, fuck we're talking about. That's what we have a webpage for. There is a fact, though. Okay, all right. 
at the shit we like section, which I did not label shit we like, there's okay. TG's newfound love. So this is music. This is what's happening. Ah, uh, okay. That, those are those are bands. Okay. Troy. Okay. <laughs> tell me about those. Tell me. Tell us about those bands. I have been listening nonstop to the latest album by Death Angel called The Evil Divide. Every time I go to the gym, half of my workout is The Evil Divide. Easily. I'll start off listening to something else. Like I have a playlist. And the evil, like, like Death Angel's new album is on the playlist, right? But with another 115 songs, right? And the first Death Angel song that plays from this album, I just go right to the beginning of the album. I can't help it. It's that damn good. It came out like October last year called The Evil Divide. Death Angel at this point, basically there's five Filipino brothers. Well, they started out five Filipino brothers from the San Francisco area. Currently only two original members are left, right? Um, the drummer's a dude that used to play in Vicious Rumors. And the rhythm guitar player is a cat who started out as like a fan of the band, who was always around, who is a great guitar player, it turns out. And their bass player is, he looks like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo, but he plays the fuck out of some bass in a thrash context. Love this guy's playing. I just wish he was a little more dynamic in terms of his stage presence, but I don't care really because he's so good. Like, just listening to him. I love the evil divide a lot. I love it too much. I've, I've, I haven't owned it for that long, and I've listened to it a lot. I, if I walk in the gym, I walk in thinking I'm not listening to Death Angel today, but the first time on Shuffle, one of those songs comes up, I go right back to the first song, which is called The Moth, which is just a killer fucking song. All of them. They're not all great. It's like, you know, ten songs, seven of them are fire. Okay. The other three, I can get, yeah, yeah, you know, that happens on album. Yeah. But to get a 10-song album where seven are really good songs, that's strong as hell that's for a band that's been around. They've been around since, like, 1980, the early 80s, I want to say, mid-80s. Because we might be the same age, you know what I mean? I don't know. They started, they were all teenagers when they started, you know what I mean? I was probably a teenager when I discovered them, you know? Um, and I don't know how the hell this happened, but I've rediscovered my love of ACDC. And I think it was because Facebook had this thing going around with kids listening to ACDC for the first time. Yes. And some of the songs were like songs I just never cared about. But some of the songs were songs I always cared about. And so today I was at the gym and I was like, you know what? I, I made this ACDC playlist, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm listening to my ACDC playlist because of that fucking video, right? And I'm like, god damn. Let me throw another 10 pounds on this motherfucker, all right? Oh shit, I'm a chin up. I mean, another 10 pounds of that month. Like, man, ACDC is good workout music, man. You know? For a bunch of dudes who've never lifted a weight in their fucking life. <laughs> they, they have, they've done nothing but drink whiskey all their fucking nothing lives. Yeah. Man, you listen, you go to the fucking gym and you want to move some, like, iron around, put some ACDC on and shit, right? You will think you're about to leap out of a plane and hit somebody with a club on the way down, right? I'm, dude, come on, man. You, you can't, you cannot fucking do rowing or chin-ups to ain't no fun waiting around to be a millionaire and not go hard. I'm somewhat sore right now, man. I'm somewhat sore right I'm now. somewhat sore. I went hard on some ACDC shit. This fucking band's been around since 1972 or some bullshit. Here it's 2017, and these motherfuckers got me elevating my shit to the next motherfucking level. To the next level. Next level, son. AC motherfucking DC, you talking about my, my, my bands coming up right now. Bands coming up right now. Do less. Do less. Just plug your guitar into an amp, play three chords, relax. Relax. 
Think about the last motherfucker that wronged you on the street and sing a song about banging that girl, right? Hits, hits. Vagina panties all over the fucking stage. Millions and millions and millions. Make money, make money, make money. Get money, get paid. That's what this band was all about. You just wronged us on some petty bullshit. Now we're gonna write a song about banging your girl. Like that's what they did, right? And this shit still holds up. Next karaoke we do, I think every song I'm gonna sing is gonna be an ACDC song. I decided that shit. Okay. Like a week ago. Let it be I'm so. holding myself to it. Let it be so. Yeah. Done and done. ACDC. Ain't no fun waiting around to be a man. Have you ever heard that joint? I don't think so. That's about to be your new favorite ACDC song. Play that shit for I you. Can't, I can't name any other one. I'm going to come through your crib. I'm going to play that in Thunderstruck. I'm going to play Thunderstruck just to get you hyped. Have I heard Thunderstruck? Right? You've heard Thunderstruck. I've heard two cellos. You heard two cellos playing it. Because two years ago, that was the whole joint all over. It broke Facebook. Two dudes on cello playing fucking Thunderstruck. Which? No, they play Thunderstruck at um, hockey games. Yup. A lot. And all you know is thunder. That's all you don't know that part, right? That's all they really get through, you know? You just need to get through that thunder. You get that, you know? Right, that's fine. It's okay. Right, right, right. right. I was caught in the middle of a railroad track. Thunder. And I knew, and I knew there was no turning back. Thunder, the sound of the guns. Come on, son. You man, look. We going. You you just gave the people something they didn't know they needed. Look, I'm here for the people, whether they need me or not. I'm like your auntie that comes through with them extra bags with a little remote control toy in the car with the fucking ho-hos. I'm bringing the real, son, all summer long. I got you, America. I got you. You too, Eric Cobb. Okay. Well, the shit I'm listening to, <laughs> Sai Kendrick, it's a cat named Dornick, D-O-N-I-K. Cat is smooth um, on that good Neo Soul shit. Um, and shout out to my man, um, Donnie Seals, who did, I think I've talked about Zoe, Z-O with the cap with the exclamation point. Uh, Cal Detroit has been making real good music, um, just like organic music with the piano and the keyboard and the drums and the guitar. Uh, real, real good music. Um, is produced for a, a bunch of stuff involved with Foreign Exchange and doing his thing with Fonte. Um, my man made a documentary about him creating his latest album, which is called Skybreak. Um, went to go see that. Um, it, it's a documentary that made its premiere in Chicago a while ago. Um, it's coming out to LA. It's going to uh, Cleveland, they just came out of New York. Uh, real good. So it's, it, it's, you see the man, you know, you go through his history, you go through his process, and the fact, like, he, in his home studio, he has all, all these keyboards, and he, he's doing stuff organically. It's great, great music. And one of the things that came up was this cat named Dornick, who no one's, apparently, no one heard of, no one, but his I stuff. Never heard of him. His shit was his, his self-titled album. I think released like last year, year before, is awesome. Very, it's, it's soulful. You can vibe to it. Um, very, very good. Um, I've been playing that in between uh, going back to Kendrick. Um, 
just doing some, you know, we're waiting on some new shit. It's supposed to be some Feral Monch coming through. Um, hip hop is really changing as opposed to rap, as opposed to the stuff that you're going to hear on, you know, on, uh, you know, with my man with the barrettes in his hair and shit. Uh, things have changed. So there's definitely going to be, I think we're getting back to people with lanes where people don't cross lanes. People like, this is the party rapper. This is the conscious rapper. Right. This is the, as opposed to what we were, where people were not staying in a lane. You know, you can't be like, yeah, woo, we're smoking, you know, we're on the Mali and we're doing this. And you, then you can't talk about sisters, what you need to do. Right. To keep your body count. I will down say, if you fucking out there talking rapping about popping mollies, don't tell sisters shit. At all. You ain't got shit to say to nobody. At all. Because that's why our sisters leaving and telling somebody to watch a drink for you. Right. Um, but it's definitely a thing with Elaine, and there's some good music out. There's good music coming, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm happy about that. I I want that. I want more of that. I want more of, of the good stuff to 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 make it. And you you you're rooting for. You're rooting for cats because you see the process, you see what they're going through, um, you see in their artistry, and you just wish the best for them. Um, and that and that continues. Also, apparently, the Roots released the album. I had no idea. Um, I wish I knew. I would have included that in my ACDC and Death Angel thing. Um, but thing is, is that I think I, I I didn't know it existed. Apparently, it came out like October. <laughs> wow. And it was like it, then so much. Then you shoot your cousin or some shit. Like it. It was something weird, and I had no idea it was out. And it probably got. And the reason why I probably I didn't hear about it because people I know who I trust who who can pass on stuff to me and everything didn't say a word. What? So that doesn't. Really, Lynn, you know, I legit me a, was just think, wondering the other day, like, man, it's about time for a new Roots album to drop. <laughs> I was just thinking this to myself. Cause I, I went out for, um, I did see Two Weeks on Friday, and I did Record Store Day the next day. And went out to Wicker Park, did Dusty Groove, shout out to Dusty Grooves, y'all still holding it down, loving them. But we were in this other record store, and my man was like, have, you know, have you kept up with the Roots? I was like, ah, you know, da da da. And he says, yeah, because this album. And he held up this album, and I'd never seen it before. So yeah, this was like, and then you sh- it was called, and then you shoot your cousin. And I was like, I have no idea what this is. I have no idea what's on it. I, hear, I haven't heard a single. I haven't heard anybody who I know who listens to this. No one talked about it. Right. No clue. Because I've and, never heard about it. And now I'm afraid to listen to the shit because... My thing with the roots, I'm, I'm going to support. The, and then we had a discussion. We had a discussion, and we might have to wait for this for the for the remix for the for the part two that we, we may have coming up. All right. But who are the groups who you will support? They say we got an album coming out Monday. You like I ain't heard shit about it. But I don't I'm know on. shit about it. I'm gonna buy it. <clears throat> that list is now very small. Right. Because you have people who are disappointing. You have people who may. My list, is, my list has been small. Yeah, like if I hear that, it's yeah, it's the De La Dream Theater. Yeah, right. Because they, you may have some people, and then because of the music industry, they say, you know, we're going to do something new. We're going to do something different. That you know, more what we want to do, and maybe it flops. Right. The key is what do they do after? Do they go back to the formula that worked, 
or do they keep going or do they get cut off from the label because the label like well you only got one dud in you so we're not going to put any more resources in fact um but the thing was is that like the roots were one of those groups for me like i'm a support but over the last i think three four years they've been putting out stuff which has minimized which sonically takes risks we're doing different things. We're doing different. I get it. I'm fine with that. But you have an asset in probably, in not even probably, a top five MC of all time. And he's maybe on three songs. Wait. What? The Roots have a top five MC. Yeah. He's only on three songs in the Roots, right? He's not on every. He's not. Well, Stop. Drop. Shut them down. <laughs> Open up shop. Open up shop. Uh, are you telling me the other joints involve Chuck D, KRS-One? Nope. Nope. Okay, Rakim is on three of these joints you're telling me. Nope. No. <laughs> Wait. Stop. <laughs> you're telling me the Roots have a top five all-time MC, and he's only on three? Of these joints, he's not he's on, on five of these. He's got to be on six of these he, joints. He's not on half these joints because the rest of the joints I have no idea involve no, no. Ice T. They involve Ice T. They do not involve Super Caz. <laughs> That's why I kind of stopped fucking with the roots. There, wait, no, 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 no. <laughs> there must no. be reason. No, right? Because Milk and Gizmo are on one joint. You <laughs> got to put them on, and they chilling. They chilling. They chilling. What more uh, can I say? Right. Fact. I understand. I understand what you're saying. Somebody dug Too Short up and had to put him on one. <laughs> even though I don't like Too Short and I never have. Okay. I never have. Right? But people like to put him on shit. Right? E-40. E-40 is on one of them. So you have to leave room for, like, for, for, for that no-cow bullshit. There's an iced tea, Scarface, T40. Because <laughs> even then. Collab joint. Even then. Is this a Roots mixtape? Is this a Roots mixtape? Are you thinking? You're thinking of Nappy Roots. You ain't even thinking of Roots. No. No, no, okay. It was, okay, two. Wow. 2014. I even, that even feels worse. I just, okay. Generally positive reviews. I've heard nothing about this. Um, what? I mean, Questlove does, okay. So you know Quest, yeah, okay. So Raheem Devon, like. I don't know, like, okay, we're going to move on. Because I, I, I can't, I don't know what to think about. The Roots did an album and like less than five songs have Black Thought on them. I don't know, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, I can just watch Jimmy Kimmel for that. I can just, uh, but I'm looking at this and like, I don't remember this at all. America? If you have a top five bamboozled. MC, if you have a top five MC of America, you should put them on every joint. You should actually give them a solo album. America, hit us up wherever you're gonna hit us up, and tell us who your top five MCs are. And if Black thought in on that list, you're kind of invalid. You. You're kind of invalid. I'm gonna hit you the nuts. Don't. Uh, are we about? Are we? Are we about violence? Yeah. Yeah, we are. Okay. Never mind. I just had to put that out. We are, we are about violence when it comes to good music. When it comes to goodness, period, we're about, we're about violence. 
Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I um, what else? So, well, I mean, man, how about American Gods is coming, son? I can't wait for America Gods. American Gods to get it. April thirtieth, I think. American Gods, six days, baby. Six days in American Gods. I've been waiting for American Gods for so long. I've been going hard for American Gods. I sold through the comics twice in the store. Right? I'm hot for American Gods. I cannot wait for that show. Super excited about that. Okay. But The Expanse has been the shit for two seasons. Right? And if you ain't on The Expanse on a sci-fi channel, it's the best thing sci-fi has ever produced. Ever. Ever produced. Okay. When we thought Sci-Fi Channel was going to be a thing way back in the day when we heard there was going to be a Sci-Fi Channel, it shows like this we were hoping they'd be able to produce someday when all we wanted back then was going to have Babylon 5 and Star Trek. Was that before S-Y-F-Y? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Because shit went kind of... The less. best show on TV in genre fiction right now is The Expanse. Hands down. Hands down. Okay. You watched any of this? Two seasons. You've watched none of it. None of it. Okay. Look, man. Use your powers. Now you got them powers. You <laughs> I got them powers. powers. Go home. Got them powers. The first few episodes are going to come off like, what are we doing here? Because their setup was, I will admit, somewhat slow because we are dealing with a storyline in which there's Earth, there's Mars, and there are people who live in the asteroid belt in between. Yes, you, yeah. So three political communities. Yeah, you were on right? that last, yeah. Right, so the, the story is about that thing, right? Events begin happening, and you kind of have to watch them take place. Oh my Lord, as they take place, though, this show is the best show that you're going to watch where you will say to yourself, and somebody just mentioned this to me, and I think they're dead on, they were like, I watch this show every time, and I wonder, what the fuck did I just see? And I loved it, right? I watch it every time. Every episode I've watched for this second season, I thought was the season finale. Everything I saw in this season could have ended a, a, any other show season. Like, it could have been like, nah, bro, we'll see you next season, man. And then they blown out the airlock. And then they crashed into Venus. And then that shit crawled onto the station, right? Like, what? What? This show is that dope, right? And some of the actors are people you're going to remember from other shows. There's a dude from The Wire on it, right? Dude from The Wire plays a prominent role because he runs this, like, kind of quote-unquote terrorist organization in the belt, right? Brother from The Wire does that. But there's a dude from uh, um, Spartacus who was the dude who was, like, who was injured, who was lame, who was kind of a conniving little biatch. He's cool as fuck on this show when he's on the show, right? There's a lot of guys on there. You're like, oh, I know that guy from something, right? <laughs> the, the actress who plays uh, uh, Undersecretary Ava Sarala is great. She's an Iranian actress um, who I didn't know. I mean, I, I realized after I watched this show, that I went to her Wikipedia page, I'd seen her in other shit before or heard her voice. She, her voice is in a, a Mass Effect game, I think, you know? She got this great smoky ass voice. She sounds like one of uh, uh, Marge Simpson's sisters. You know? It's hot. It's fucking hot. Get on The Expanse if you ain't gotten there. I want The Expanse's characters to be cosplayed at cons like Star Wars characters. I think the show's that damn good. I want someone to be Amos. Amos 
is as interesting as Han Solo. I just fucking said it. There. Just watch an episode in which Amos, somewhat sociopathic dude that he is, someone says, hey, Amos, are we good about that thing that happened where I had to sedate you before you did a thing? Thinking, are you going to try to murder me now? And Amos says, oh, yeah, we're fine. Every time I try to make a decision on that level, I'm wrong. And I might have made the wrong call and might have gotten us all killed. So you had to put me down. If you're thinking I'm going to try to murder you or something, I'm not. I'm okay. Scene. Like, I'm not, he explains that he's not going to try to murder them. Wouldn't be good for him. And that, that, that appeals to you. Appeals big time. Because, man, they're in a little spaceship, right? Like, that we all got to survive in a little spaceship, right? You, you were right. I like to kill things. He's explaining things all the time. They're like, well, if you do this to him and then this to him and this to him, that'd be how you take him out. You know a lot of ways to kill people. Yeah, study. What? <laughs> this dude is awesome. I love this guy. Love it. The Expanse. Get it. Get in there. Get a, get a knife and fork. Get in here with the rest of us. I'm just telling you. Okay, then. All right, so that's the TV shit you like? Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, G.I. Joe cartoons. Nobody cares about that. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, if you can, Chicago, in the first week of May, the Coltrane documentary is coming back. Uh, definitely recommend you watch that shit. It's like an hour and a half. It is awesome. Oh, my God, it's awesome. If you have even a passing interest in jazz and in Coltrane in particular, they've unearthed, like, archive footage and home movies and shit, and it's just... And... The talking heads are peers, and like you got Sonny Rollins, you got Santana, you have Cornell West, philosopher. Um, you have all these people are talking, you know, giving kind of context to what Coltrane's doing, what he was thinking about, and it is beautifully done. It is excellent, and it's going to play for a week. It played for two days at Davis Theater. Uh, it's going to be at the Landmark Theater. Uh, near Clark and Diversity the first week of May. Uh, definitely see that shit. I'm going to go see it again, uh, then get crepes afterwards. Uh, Real talk. That <laughs> getting shit crepes. Getting crepes, going to gramophone, all that shit. Uh, definitely recommend you do that because it, it, it's awesome. Like I said, if you have even a passing interest in jazz and in Coltrane in particular, and like why he is like on the Mount Rushmore of musicians, um, you know, a, 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 an artist you can talk about with one name, and people yep. know what you're talking about. Um, I definitely, definitely recommend you you, you peep that. Um, also, the first week of May is the release on DVD of "I Am Not Your Negro," uh, the James Baldwin uh, joint, which is also great. Um, narrated by Sam L, uh, who's reading an unfinished manuscript that Baldwin's working on before he died. Um, about uh, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, and Medgar Evers, um, where he's also dropping a lot of knowledge about the times, and and it, it really kind of, really kind of, gives you a, an idea of just how quick witted and how like the the man was smart as shit. Man was smart, intelligent, was able to come. You know, you know, a lot of people went left on him and was well, well you know, what about this thing? And he could answer. 
you know, coolly and just with a bit of, you know, a little bit of snark, but a little bit, you know, giving you this truth. And his, you know, and you know, the reading of his writings, it, it was evocative, and it was just you got the sense he was working on, you know, something big. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, archive footage and whatnot in that too. But the fact that you are basically listening to Samuel read what he's written is was just outstanding. So that's gonna that's gonna be out on DVD the first week of May as well. Uh, let's see, two people, uh, James Baldwin, John Coltrane, got really well-made documentaries um, about their lives, about particular times in their lives. Uh, definitely, definitely, that's 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 been a favorite of mine. Definitely looking forward to that. Awesome. Sounds amazing. Want that. Get it. Do it. All right. That's all I had. That's all we got? Yup. We gave y'all, we gave y'all a lot. We gave y'all a lot, fam. You've been thunderstruck! Yeah! I waited all episode. What? 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 This has been episode 19 of Stasis High. The Black Nerd Podcast! I remain Troy Hunter at the Tall Black Guy, a.k.a. Han Yolo, a.k.a. Il Gates. Holla at you. When the quest storm comes on, I fall asleep. Your boy, Terry Gant, at Doc Midnight, the Dread October, up in your area, all in your space. Turn it up and turn it off. What? What? And we out.